Hi, this is Steve. As a directing instructor, I have an iPad full of movie clips I use in lectures to illustrate points about camera blocking, production design, performance, music editing, sound design, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I show clips from Stanley Kubrick and Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock and Sergei Eisenstein. But there is one movie I refer to more than any other film, and that's Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Jaws is endlessly fascinating in terms of filmmaking. We can talk about its storytelling, the character development, the way the camera is moved, and of course, the incredible score by John Williams. Jaws is not only one of the greatest movies of all time, but also one of the most important, and the story behind the film is just as dramatic as the movie itself. Its unique storytelling, high concept, incredible performances, and sheer terror have changed forever the way movies are made and marketed. Joining us for this one, The Cinephiles is very proud to welcome animation producer and writer and lifelong Jaws superfan, Eric Rogers. So, that's Steven Spielberg's Jaws with special guest Eric Rogers this Friday on The Cinephiles. <laughs> We're really excited about this one. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail... The whole damn thing. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello everyone again. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, host of numerous shows here in L.A., and occasionally an actor. And we are very, very happy today to welcome Eric Rogers, who is a writer, executive producer, showrunner. He began his work writing for NYPD Blue. He wrote for Futurama, wrote Futurama comic books, Skylander Academy, and secretly, there is another project in the offing. Mm-hmm. I can't say what it is, but soon, soon. Yeah. But maybe we'll, by the time this comes out, maybe we'll be able to announce it. Eric, welcome to The Cinephile. I hope that is true, Steve and John, and thank yes. you guys for having me here. This has been a long time in the making, right. and uh, this, what we're going to talk about is one of my favorite subjects uh, of all time. <laughs> Not even just movies. Just, just of, of everything. Just this it's subject everything. is one of my favorite things to talk about with anybody. Mm. So, Well, yeah. and that subject is? Jaws! Dun, dun. That's right. This is a big one. This is... I, I, this this might be for me the biggest one we've done so far. Wow! For Holy, you personally for me, as a yeah. film, yeah. interesting. That's Holy moly! Great. It's very high on my list. If I curse, well, that's okay. You're allowed, of course, I'm allowed to curse. Yes, it's okay. Fuck yes. We should say something here for the fans who are listening. We are old friends, the three of us. So this is going to be like hanging out with your friends down in the basement talking yes, about this is. movie. Yes, it is. We probably have had this conversation. Jaws. Yes, we have. Like in this many times. Numerous altered states and regular states <laughs> as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and speaking, speaking of altered states, Eric was nice enough to bring a gift to the cinephile. He was, yes. And that gift is, I wish you could the see The gift it. of is friendship it? is yeah. the gift that I brought. Friendship <laughs> distilled into a bottle. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a bottle that says Bushmills. Distilled Bushmills friendship. This is, in fact, triple distilled. Ooh, yeah. Triple. Right That's here. why it's yeah. so nice. Okay. Yeah. You buy Bushmill? Well, you? And yes. I want. I brought this because I wanted to drink uh, whiskey in honor of Robert Shaw. So No question. And the uh, Irish whiskey was, was the, the choice. So. Although, technically, he did ask I for know. apricot brandy. You did, and I, yeah. I, I just... I vonsed it. I didn't go to a proper, 
uh, a proper uh, liquor store. So, yeah. well, it's, uh, it's, my bad. No, no. I, I'm much happier having the whiskey than the apricot brandy. Okay, great. I'm yeah. just saying Robert What Shaw was the other that. drink? There's another Moonshine, because Moon- he oh, makes Moon his Shine. own booze. Oh, that's, that's right. right. But that's right. we hot. digress. We digress. And <laughs> I've got to tell you, if we are digressing at this point yes. in talking about Jaws, this is going to be a yeah. long episode. Yep. So let's start off. Let's go. Eric, let me ask you this question. How did you first come to Jaws? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember specifically, but... I do know that it involved the experience involved, um, uh, like many of the films that I found in the seventies, it involved HBO mm, and sure. me being a kid who happened to be flipping channels and found the movie on HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it did with moviegoers, uh, it scared the living daylights out of me, but I couldn't look away. And uh, and then it became a thing where I couldn't look away every time it's ever <laughs> been on television since. Yeah. Um, or if there's been like a special screening in the theater, it's, you know, it's like, I gotta, I just gotta be there for it. Yeah. So yeah, I can't, it's one of those movies I just, if it's on TV, if it's on TV, I'm watching it. I don't care what time of the day or night it is. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same kind of story as Eric. I saw it as a child. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was on HBO or like CBS movie of the week mm. or something. And my parents had like not monitored me watching TV at that time or I'd stumbled upon it. But I remember seeing it at a very young age and it affected me so much, though, to, that to this day, I don't go past four feet of water in the ocean. Is that true? Yes, it's very true. You'll never catch me going You do not like to swim in the ocean because of Jaws? Yep. Holy shit, dude. It scared the living hell out of me on so many... Because I saw it at such a young age that it's just stuck with me. Wow, okay, that's awesome. So anytime when I can't feel... Like if I go swim out so far that I can't touch the bottom of the ocean without my head going under the water, I freak the fuck out. So... It is legitimate for me, and it's always been legitimate. And I live it's in LA for, for 15 years, 16 years, and I still can't go to the ocean half an hour away and just swim all all afternoon. I can't. The I, good news is, is that that ocean is balls, so you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you went to Hawaii, well, yeah. I, you'd have a problem. Or San Francisco. I'd be upset if you went to Hawaii and didn't go true. swimming. But That's yeah. true. Fair enough. Anyway, Steve, yeah. So, so, so for Patty. me, it's pretty yeah. much pretty much the same as you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it was Showtime instead of HBO for me. But uh-huh. it, you know, and I was probably eleven, twelve, thirteen mm-hmm. ish the first time. I had heard about it before. Yeah, you know, right. I remember hearing yeah, about yeah. this movie, and for me, it's really that opening scene just scared me yeah. so bad. Yeah. But the rest of the movie, it became this thing that I watched over and over again yep. and watched it a lot. And it was one of my favorite movies mm. when, and this is the, you know, in, for full disclosure, I have to say it's come up on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. I've worked on multiple Great White Shark documentaries. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to really try for the most part to talk about this as a film. But occasionally <laughs> I'm going to have to talk about this from what I actually know about real sharks. Sure. Right. Uh, and we're going to get into a little bit of that too. Sure, sure. Cool. Um, but it is I think, you know, it's on most of the list as one of the greatest films of all time. Mm-hmm. And it does it as a genre film and as really, oh, you know, a very different film from all the other films you find high on that list. Absolutely. So so let's get into it. So Jaws, it starts obviously with the book Jaws mm-hmm. by yep. Peter Benchley. Is it, have you guys, either of you read it? Yes. Uh, I read half of it and then it just fell by the wayside for me because the movie was, the movie was so deeply ingrained yeah. in my brain. So I remember yeah. renting it from the library and probably uh, accruing late fees for because I read it over and over and over. You read again. oh, so you oh read really? It yeah, times. I, I was oh, wow. I really loved it and okay. and the, because it's there are some important plot points in the mm-hmm. book that are not in the movie right. that would change the movie completely. 
uh, for example, Richard Dreyfuss' character sleeps with Brody's wife right, in the book. Right. So if you had thrown that into the movie, I won. Like it's a whole other movie if you throw that into the movie. Absolutely. Right? You explore a little more of the personal details of these characters rather than just the archetypes that they represent throughout the film. And Benchley wrote the screenplay, yeah. the first draft of the screenplay. Wrote the first right? draft of the right. screenplay. Yeah. Right. yeah so so uh, uh, Zanuck and Brown, who mm-hmm. are big time mm-hmm. storied Hollywood producers. Yep. I mean, Zanuck is the son of Daryl Zanuck, who's right. you know this is as big and old school golden age of Hollywood as you can get and Zanuck and Brown they produce The Sting I mean these are like big successful guys Mm -hmm. they hear about the book before it even comes out right? and and they buy the rights to it and that's right yeah Benchley wrote the first screenplay Yeah, and we're going to hear a lot about different screenplays as we go forward in this movie (laughs) right yeah and uh, Zanuck and Brown had just uh, produced uh, Sugarland Express which is Steven Spielberg's first theatrical Uh, film have you seen it? Uh, yes it's been a long time have you seen it? Yes, I took Spielberg as a summer oh, that's course right. you told at me Florida that. State. We studied there all his movies. There was a course movies. about Spielberg. Sure, Goldie Hawn and... Uh, Kurt uh, Russell. Yes, Kurt Russell, yes. So, strangely enough, I've never seen it. No, you haven't. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I never have. Right I keep meaning to because it's like, how can there be yeah. the Steve Spielberg? Well, Goldie first? Hawn was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Where did she win? I think she might have won. She might have won a for, supporting. For, for Sugarland yeah, Express. Really? Yeah, might I think oh, she wow. might have won an Oscar for that. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen it. And yeah. part of the reason that they wanted uh, Spielberg for this was because of his made-for-TV movie, Duel. Yeah. Great. Which, is, which I have seen. Great. It is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Dennis Weaver, yeah. Yeah, if mm-hmm. you want to see a textbook of just great storytelling for not a big budget, check out Duel. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a cinephile movie. Well, it's movie. funny, too. If, you, if you're a fan of Jaws and you haven't seen Duel, you'll see why yeah. Spielberg was the perfect guy to make a shark movie where you don't see the shark right. until the last act of the film or whatever it is. And you don't, see, and you don't know the reasons for this evil. Like in yeah. Duel, right. you don't yeah, yeah, know yeah. the reasons for the evil of that yeah, truck. Absolutely, yeah. but that, 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 was, that was a great film. Yeah, it's, re- it's really well made. So we have a screenplay from Peter Benchley. Mm-hmm. Don't right. particularly like it. So they hire another writer, which is Howard Sackler, which is the writer of The Great White Hope. Oh, right. Movie. Okay. Great yep. White Hope is really good. It's right a on. Powerful movie. Yeah. Yep. It, is, it, is a, it stars James Earl Jones, and yep. you should definitely check it out. Another Oscar nominee for that one, too, yeah, I, think. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Spielberg wrote a script, a version of the script. Oh, wow. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And, and what he says is, and he's not a great writer. No. I think we can, can agree. <laughs> No, he's yeah. a good story guy. Yeah, absolutely. But the movies that he has story credit on are all great stories. Right, right. But but him writing script is not what you want from him. Yeah. Um, and then he brings in Carl Gottlieb, which is really the probably the writer that contributed the most. Yeah. But all these people contributed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to rush into production when the script is not finished because a writer's strike is coming. <laughs> right. Oh, <wow. laughs> this has happened. You hear about this in Hollywood mm-hmm. a lot that, mm-hmm. oh, the writer's strike's coming. We got to get our shows going because once they're going, you, they won't shut them down. That's right. Um, and so they rush the shark movie into production, which we got to be happy that they did it because it's one of the great films of all time. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's a really bad choice. Yeah, if you have your druthers, you're not doing that. But like, I can't imagine what the movie is without that pressure to make it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the key factors in it is that they hadn't finished developing the shark. Right. right. Is that the guys who are building the shark, and one of the keys to the movie was we're going to have a big mechanical shark that can swim around and do all these specific actions. Right. And the guys who are building it say, it's not ready, and they say, we're going anyway. Well, in Gottlieb's yeah. book as well, his the Jaws log... He said that they had uh, shark experts down to South Africa to record as much right. great white footage as they could right. to edit into the film. And then they got the footage and said, 
no, this we got to have something better than this, and yeah. that's how the, that's oh, how I didn't Bruce, realize that happened first. I think that's how I think they saw the footage and they were and, and well, you know what? And even even more to the point, I think they saw the footage and thought, is there a way we can train these sharks to go into the water with these actors? Right. And the, the shark experts came back, as you would know better than we would. The shark ex- experts came back and said, "There's no fucking way you can put actors." <laughs> Into the water with these animals because yeah. they'll die. This is the stupidity of training a shark. I mean, right, all of that right. in my mind. All right, so so because I just did this yes, documentary, of course, please. Uh, and by the way, the documentary is called. I did two, uh, but the more recent one is called Great White Shark Beyond the Cage of Fear. Mm-hmm. There are trained sharks. Uh, there's in Jamaica, okay. there are nurse sharks that have been trained. No, but Great Whites is what I'm talking about. But it's probably like that's 40 years of yeah. science as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and that, this is between the thing, now and is then. that yeah. is that. Of course, you're not going to go put some actors in the water yeah. with great whites <laughs> with in, in in a rush time to get a film production That's going. True. Does that mean that great whites can't be trained? No, of course not. Great whites could probably be trained. Basically, okay. every animal can be trained. Okay. It's just the level of difficulty and how hard it is to train them. Right. Um, okay. Uh, but but we digress a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so so we go off to shoot, and they after looking around a lot, they decide to shoot in Martha's Vineyard, which is an island which today would cost a billion dollars to yeah. shoot because it's one of the most popular and ritzy sort of vacation spots for the wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But at the time, it was more isolated with a small town. And uh, Spielberg, once he went on the island, he did not leave. Wow. Right. And what was supposed to be, you know, a couple months shoot ended going on and on and on. You know, there are all sorts of stories of what is the most difficult production of all time Mm. and what has the craziest stories of all time. Jaws in the list. Yeah, Jaws. They they've got some doozies. Yeah, yeah. they've got some doozies. Well, and and one of the things. So when they first started talking about doing the film, mm-hmm. they talked about doing it. Let's do it in a tank, right? Because that's how we originally filmed. Oh, wow. we'll have a, and we'll have a big blue wall, and we'll fake everything. Right. Right. And the person who said no to that, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He said no. We got to be out in the real ocean. He didn't know he was getting it. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest well, the, regrets of his life. <laughs> those 70s directors are all about environment. That's and right. And, you know, creating that environment. So, you, like Cassavetes and all those guys. And Coppola, too. And with Apocalypse Now, I mean, he really went all the way out there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and that's where you go, like, well, it was a miserable many, many months. Right. Mm. The wrong decision. I, I'd say no because yeah. of the end product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think Spielberg, if you had him sitting in here, you would say that too. He said he'd do it all over again. Right. You know? It was a happy accident. Um, yeah, a lot of them. But, but the problem with shooting out in the ocean is what Spielberg wanted was once we're out in the ocean, we're out in the ocean. And that there's nobody else. We're all alone. Mm-hmm. Which means you have to have an empty horizon. Yes. And, and an empty horizon in the ocean could be... 10 or 20 miles of distance. Yes. So you have a long time that you spend setting up a shot. Mm-hmm. Well, and just when you're ready to say action, way off 20 miles away <laughs> yeah. at the end of horizon, little tiny sail. Yeah. And now what do you do? That's one of my favorite things when rewatching the film because I've seen because you've seen it so many yeah. times. You know the story like the back of your eyelids. So does people say that? That's not know. a phrase. Yeah, I don't think so. But all right. Can anyway. you see the back of your eyelids? I can right now. Uh, <laughs> no, but I like to watch. I like to watch knowing the story about how that stuff could get screwed up. I like yeah. to, oh look, there's something right there in the background. Oh, okay, they kept it. You know what I mean? Well, and you imagine like how long it takes for a sailboat to go across yes. 15, 20 miles right. of horizon to get out of the shot. They right. might be out there and get one or two shots in a day. And, oh, and this is not even with the shark not working. I mean, this right. is just like just trying to shoot it. Plus, people on boats 
some of them get seasick. Right. You know, right. so it's also your cameraman is saying, oh, I'm ready to shoot. Wait, hold on. Has to go throw up over the side of the boat. Yep. And then get to the shot. Yep. It's not easy. Plus, the, one of the ways they normally would shoot on boats is they shoot on a gimbal. Which is a you know thing that's that slides side to side like okay. they would have gimbals technology from you know Viking ships would have it. Okay, it's a wheel set into an arc so that when the ship tilts to one side, the 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 ball rolls down to the bottom. Okay, and so you put a camera on that, and what they decided was that wasn't going to be good enough because that's kind of a mechanical feeling to it. Right on. Uh, the cameraman handheld everything. Yeah. So he's hand-holding, and these cameras are big back mm -hmm. in the 70s, on a boat, and as the boat moves side to side, he's counter-moving in order to shoot the shot, which is really difficult. Wow. Yeah. Do we know the name of that cameraman? I wonder if he... I should. I wonder if he... <laughs> I wonder if he was like, screw this, I'm out after that movie. I think it's his big claim to fame, so... Yeah, probably, right, probably, right. Probably he's cool with it. It's intense. He's the guy that came up with Steadicam. <laughs> I mean, they even had incidents where the Orca actually sunk. Yes. At one point in the oh, shoot. Wow. Right, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they have actors on it, and the, the boat is going down. They try to dra they try to ground it off on shore on a beach, <laughs> and it's sinking, and it's like one feet deep, two feet deep, and, wow. the, and Spielberg's yelling, "Get the actors off! Get the actors <laughs> off!" And apparently, the sound guy is holding up his nagra in the air, like, "Fuck the actors! Save the sound!" <laughs> and of course, the biggest problem in shooting is Bruce. Yes, and Bruce is the name of the shark. You remember how Bruce got his name? This is uh, his agent, Spielberg's it? lawyer, I thought. Oh, was his lawyer? Spielberg's yeah. lawyer. There you yeah. go. Um, and I got to say, so the first Great White Shark film I worked on was called uh, Mind of the Demon. And it starred Fabian Cousteau, and it was on CBS. Mm. And in that doc, the idea was to build a mechanical shark submarine for Fabian Cousteau oh. to be inside and go out and swim with real sharks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. and uh, sadly about that movie, we made a cut that I really liked, and then CBS took it out of our hands and recut it in air. No, yeah, shocker. Yeah. That's no no way. But but the, the, what was interesting about the film was it started off being a film about shark research. Yeah, yeah, and it ended up being a film about trying to get this fucking shark submarine to work. <laughs> and it was day after day of the shark doesn't work, the shark doesn't work, the shark ah. doesn't work. It's not easy. No, and getting Bruce to work is not easy. Yep. And it didn't work most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you when you watch the film, you can you can see how they the editor whose name is escaping me, Sally Fields. Oh, I was going to say Sally Mankey for some reason. That's Tarantino's, <laughs> isn't it? Another um, great editor. That was Tarantino's. Yeah, yeah. got a uh, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, you can you can see how they had to get real real clever with cutting those scenes together with that shark. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is one of the key things <clears throat> is that. The idea was that you would have these great shots of this shark, and mm -hmm. that would be really good. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the shark didn't work, and that's what made the film better. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, once again, as people talk about this all the time: happy accidents on film. Some things don't work for a reason. You didn't work, so you have to improvise on the set. You have to figure it out on the set. How are we going to adjust the script? How are we going to make this work? Because as a director, you don't have time to wait for something that doesn't work. You really, even though you're there for months. You're still having to shoot stuff. You still have to you get those pages in and do those shots and setups and what have you. So you have this idea of, of the shark not working. Now it's like, okay, am I a master filmmaker? If I am a master filmmaker, then I've got to make this work because the, the 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 movie's got to come in on the budget. Or it's got to come in. I've got to finish the movie. And I'm Spielberg, and I'm trying to yeah, because they had lay a poster the out. They had they yeah. released a yeah. poster. There was a release date. Oh, a yeah. year this was his in biggest advance. film. This was going to be his yeah. biggest film. So he had, it, there was going to be a movie put out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, we're another. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're going to get into them as we go along. But there's so many creative choices that they had to make because the shark didn't work. Mm. And, and, 
and the reality is now this has changed a bit with CG. Yeah. But the longer you look at the monster, the less scary the monster Absolutely. is. Absolutely. The the more you show it, the more you go, oh, it's a rubber. It's rubber. It's fake. Yeah. Yep. You know. And even with CG, that's somewhat true. I yeah. mean, I think that's changed. We we kind of have gotten past that uncanny valley mm-hmm. now yeah. to some degree, but still, it's like the the suspense that's created in your mind by not seeing something yep. is far scarier than what you would get. So all the shots that Spielberg had to throw out probably made the movie better. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I think I think a, a modern or a recent version of that sort of filmmaking that works with CG really yeah. well was the, the latest Godzilla. Now, I know not, yeah. not everybody was a fan of that, but I really liked it, and I think it did the Jaws save, save the threat reveal thing really well. Yeah. I think yeah. it definitely did that well. You didn't like that movie. But everything else. No. Yeah, the story structure and character development. Oh, you didn't like Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch hanging out yeah. together <laughs> as yeah. a married couple? No? All right. Anyway. Moving that's on. Another, that's another movie. Moving on. So uh, you mentioned, I just want to talk real briefly, yeah. a movie like this, it can't get made without a great editor, and Verna Fields is one of the great editors of all time. Right. They called her Mother Cutter. Oh. <laughs> and because uh, she was older and more experienced, yeah. and she just cut on her little moviola in the backyard of her house in the valley, and everyone came and visited, and that's and she's wow. she's one of the most important... You know, nobody Spielberg's a genius, but nobody gets to be Spielberg without a great team, and she's yeah. one of the most important totally. team members, yeah. and maybe the most important team member. And we're going to talk about him a lot. It's John Williams. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Because the score to this film is one of the great film scores of all time. Yeah. And Absolutely, it, it is. I, in fact, when I teach class on film scoring, I spend a good you know forty five minutes just talking about the score of this wow. film. That's amazing. So there's a, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to dig into. I think it'd be really interesting as as a, a film t- teacher, Steve, too, to find a cut of the movie and show like show show it at least part of it without the score oh. and see how effective it is. Yeah. And even even more so, find somebody who's never seen the film oh, and yeah. show it to them yeah. and see what the reaction is. Let's like I don't know. I think it'd be a little fascinating social experiment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's get into the film. Okay, I think it's time. <laughs> So we start with Chrissy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Poor Chrissy. Poor, poor Chrissy. We're, Very beautiful Chrissy. We're on a beach in the middle of the night. Yeah. There's some drinking. There's some partying. Sure. There sure. seems to be a real connection between these two young kids. Yep. She goes off. He chases. She starts taking clothes off. Yep. Things are going really well, I think, in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is going to work out pretty well. What do you think? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Dude, dude is dude is gonna get some, and by dude I mean the shark. Yeah, the shark. <laughs> yeah. Chrissy swims out in the water, and this is one of the scariest scenes I can think of oh, in yeah. anything ever. Oh, totally. <laughs> to the point where. And you will disrespect me for this. There were times where I watched the movie and I just skipped it. Wow. I just found it so, I find it so upsetting. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow, it man. It sets the tone for the film. I just was going to say the same yeah. thing. Like, I don't... Yeah. I couldn't do the movie without it. Yeah. It really does set... It's this, fantastic. Yeah. No, I know. I, yeah, I just, yeah, you know. Yeah. Viscerally... Oh, yeah. And that's the real word. Yeah. She goes out and she gets hit by the shark underneath. Yeah. And and what they're doing, by the way, she's got f- different ropes tied on her and guys on the beach... Right. Pulling her back and forth. Oh, wow. 
manually wow. by ropes and pulling her underwater. It was really terrifying. Yeah. Like well, the way, like, it, it, they pulled that off uh, in a really awesome, practical way. What's so great about that scene is it isn't just the ferocity of the shark. Like, we've never seen something like this on screen, right? Up to this point in the cinema, we've not seen anything this quite, quite so visceral in its experience. And we are brought, it's almost like a reality TV experience. Like, we're literally in the water with this poor woman. Her sounds that she's making. Oh, yeah. Her breathing issues, her desperation to be out of the situation, and then her helplessness as she's being pulled from one side to the, just saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. She has no ability to fight this. It's con- She's conceiving of what's happening, and it's so insane to her. And then, just like that, it's over. And that's the ferocity. That's the unsettling part of it all. I think too. What what really sells all of that as well is the scene immediate. Not the scene immediately following the end of the scene, where you have the wide shot of the kid sleeping yep. on the beach, passed yes. out, and the water's calm. Yes, and he's just kind of stirring a little bit, snoring maybe. I yeah. don't know, but yeah. you just you're just like. She was right there. Yep. yep. She was right there, and he's slept through the whole thing. Yep. It's just yeah. crazy. He passed well, out. And I think, and this is one of the key <clears throat> things, if you had seen the shark, wouldn't be as scary. Right. Part right. of what makes it scary, and part of what makes sharks scary, is that they are a piece of the unknown. Yeah. Is that they exist in a world that we can't really get into, and the fact that it is totally invisible to us, yeah. we don't know. We know something is happening to her under the water. We know, oh, did he yeah. get her leg? Did he, what did he buy? What is happening? We don't know, but and we if you know didn't it's know it was a shark movie. If you didn't know it was a shark movie, you wouldn't know it was a shark. Yeah. It's true. You it's know? It's true. It, yeah. is, it is a really, really scary scene, ending with, as you say, this kid asleep, and then we wake up the next morning, and we get to meet Chief Brody. Yep. Yeah. Um, and this is something I think Spielberg does so well, which is the middle America, ordinary, normal family life. You see it in E.T., you see it in Close Encounters. You definitely see it here is that this is real. These aren't movie characters. These are real characters. And and the casting of Roy Scheider and the casting of Lauren Gray are so important. Both so good for that. And what's great about Roy Scheider is Immediately, he conveys that sense that this is a, this is a sheriff. This is a guy who's in charge. He handles it. He knows he's got an even kill demeanor. Right. So we, as the audience, are we automatically like instinctively feel in some a subconscious level that we're in good hands with him. Just the way he the way he presents himself, the way the establishment of the family, all of that lets us know that we like we have when Lethal Weapon. We talk about Lethal Weapon. The introduction of Danny Glover is. Birthday in <laughs> right. the bathtub, family yeah. around him, family downstairs making breakfast. This feeling of like this is a solid guy yeah, yeah, yeah. who can go with this guy. Well, and you you find out in very you know exposition. As you know, as a writer, exposition mm-hmm. is the hardest thing yeah. for a writer. It's figuring out, and what we mean by that is how do I get out the information that the audience yeah. needs to know in order to understand the story. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the pe- key pieces of exposition here is that Roy Scheider's not native to the island. That's right. He's yeah. a New Yorker. He's a New Yorker. Yep. And they get it out so smoothly in this opening scene and so naturally yeah. that you don't know you're getting expositionalized. Yeah. To use. And there's a lot of rat a tat dialogue in the be- when we first meet the family too Absolutely. so you know it, it's they don't waste a lot of time with explaining it you just kind of yeah. have to pay attention and you get it you get it in a really fun clever organic way yeah. with both of the with that family yeah um an interesting side note about Scheider too i read this i think this was in Gottlieb's book he you know they were going through the list of of classic leading men for yeah. the movie you know right. like the redfords and all that sure and um Scheider 
ran into Spielberg at a party in New York and Spielberg said, I'm trying to cast this movie and I don't know who to cast in the lead. And I think Scheider's quote was, uh, I can be in your movie, cast me. And I think <laughs> I think Dreyfus had already been cast. I think right. Shaw had already been cast, but they didn't have Brody yet. And but Dreyfus is later. He got cast later. Did he get cast yeah. later? I thought, okay. but I, didn't they approach it, him early yeah, on? Yeah, he got approached okay, and he turned it down. Dreyfus turned it down at first. Okay, so yeah, but then Scheider was just like, hey, you know, I'm right here, man. What am yeah. I, you know? Well, Scheider's great, and he seems like he's going to work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yes. he's, he's a working... I, I mean, I've never met him, right. but from everything I've heard, he is a not big ego, I'm mm-hmm. going to go do the job craftsman actor. Yeah. Theater actor. I mean, yeah. a New York theater actor. Absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and uh, we get the word that there's something out on the beach, and he goes out, and we see the remains of the first body. Yeah. Which is just, again, it's... Spielberg puts the camera in just the yeah. right spot. Yeah. Just the right spot to see just enough. Uh, it's really well done. We go back to the sheriff's office. We hear, uh, and again, this is just beautiful storytelling. And this is the, we talked about this when we talked about Raiders of the Lost mm-hmm. Ark, is that Spielberg is the master storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like his efficiency in telling a story, mm-hmm. his technique in telling a story, is just, I don't think there's anyone better. I'm not saying there's, there's he's the most, always the most moving, the most brilliant. I'm not saying he's the best director. Absolutely. But in terms of just clarity of storytelling, he's amazing. I, yeah. I won't argue with that. And he's he's got to be the best. I mean, he's got to be number one, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's for Hollywood filmmakers. Yeah, exactly. And, that, I mean, and that, this sequence is where we get introduced to the uh, levels of authority in the situation, uh-huh, right. right? We have the deputy, we have him, and the possibility of the mayor showing up. Like, there's all these things that are, are set well, in motion. And, yeah. and just the small thing of he's on the phone talking to the coroner, yeah. and mm-hmm. we don't hear the word shark attack. Yeah, that's he right. He types shark attack. And that's a that's little awesome. tiny detail. Yeah. I but it's about one that. of the ones that really elevates the film. Yeah. And then he makes what he thinks is the logical decision, which is must close the beaches. Close right. the beach. Right. By the way, not a logical decision at all. There's <laughs> a little bit of me knowing about sharks and it's, that's right. It's, it doesn't really make sense. That's, that's a man who's afraid of the water. <laughs> yes. He says must close the beaches. He goes off to close the beach. And who does he run into? But the mayor. Such a fantastic part. Such a fantastic actor to play the mayor. Just so good. Yeah. Maury Hamilton. Martin. Yeah, even a perfect name for that actor, (laughs) Murray Hamilton. (laughs) We can't just close the beaches, Martin. Like all those kinds of things. And he is really trying to... And you get it. And this is what's so so great is is when you get older, like you can rewatch this film and you're not caught up in the old stuff of like good and evil. There's not black and white. It's this idea of like you get it. Like the mayor's like... He has to... He has more to think about than just... These, like, he's not businesses. wrong. No, he's not wrong. Because he said a, it's one attack. Right, you know, right. So he has well, to protect. He has to, in essence, protect the community and make a decision that is financially good for the community. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, "Huh? What? You yell shark." We've got a panic on our hands on the Fourth of July. Well, and. This is a 70s film. Yeah. I mean, the way that actors are directed, the st- style of the dialogue, the naturalism. And yeah. so this is just like ordinary people. And, yeah. par- and part of the key of this is that, like, when you watched, let's say, a Hitchcock movie yep. that was scary. Mm-hmm. Well, Hitchcock <laughs> is Hitchcock. You enter into Hitchcock's world. Right. right. This is entering into the normal world. That's right. And part of what makes this film so scary is that all the signposts of the environment yeah. are, this is normal. That's right. This yeah. is the real world. That's right. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, 
Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Um, and, and it's interesting, too. It's like people think of this movie as... A conflict between humans and shark. Mm-hmm. The first half of the movie is not a conflict between humans yeah, and shark. Yeah. It's a conflict between humans and humans. Well said. The question is not, no one's talking about going to kill the shark. Right. We're not fighting the shark. I just yeah. want to close the beaches. That's right. No, you can't close the beaches. Yeah. And which typically of horror movies in general is, is this a real thing to be scary about? Mm-hmm. You know, because when you go to see yeah. a horror movie, you know, I'm going to see a horror movie. Yeah. So you know from the first death... No, no, this is for real. Yeah. yeah. But when you're in the world and someone got killed by a shark, you don't immediately think there is a killer shark who's going to continue to wipe us out well, unless we kill him first. And <laughs> yeah. I think well, maybe you think that. Yeah, I do think that. And I think it's an important distinction, Steve, that saying this is a horror film, because I think that gets lost um, on a lot of people that they think it's just a summertime blockbuster popcorn film. Mm-hmm. It is a horror film. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. That is a legitimate, scary, Absolutely. evil threat. That doesn't have a conscience or bounds, well, you know. And it's... Here's where I, I'll take a I'll argue with that just a little bit. Okay, which is that I'm surprised I've, you want to argue with I've this. I've already said <laughs> I know. I just paid you a compliment. God damn it! <laughs> and now I'm paying you back by treating you with respect by arguing with you. <laughs> Great. Is I've already said that the opening sequence is fucking terrifying, mm-hmm. and there are three or four other very very scary moments in the film. Yeah, but the general emotion that you have throughout the film is not one of fear. Like if we did a thing on The Shining, Mm. if you watch The Shining, you are uncomfortable and nervous the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you watch The Exorcist, you are uncomfortable and fearful through most of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's true of Jaws. I think most of the time you are feeling all sorts of other emotions. You're feeling adventure yeah. and you're feeling conflict and regret and sad. Humor. I mean, Humor. It's, 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 fun. a it's a very it's a, funny Yeah, film. it's a funny movie. Is that I don't think the overriding feeling is fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it is genuinely scary when it's scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Good point. That's um, an excellent point, actually. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, like any great film, like any great genre film, it uh, goes past its genre. You right, know, it has more to say. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, so we're we're arguing about whether or not to close the beaches, and, str- and and this is one more point I want to make about this sequence. Yeah, is that um, the shot of the car on the barge 
is yeah. such a fantastic shot. Yeah. And it is one where, again, Spielberg being creative. All we have in the script probably is these guys are going to have a conversation. Yeah. Yes. And so Spielberg has us get onto a barge with a car. We go out to sea, spin around, come back, and go back. And it makes it visually so exciting. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? There's so many little things he does. Yeah. Just a just brilliant filmmaking. Just brilliant film. And you see him beginning the beginnings of his signatures. Yeah. That we will see in future films going forward. You know, absolutely. He, that he works out here in this film, definitely. Yeah, right on. Time to have a day on the beach. <laughs> Let's go. We didn't close the beaches. No. And I think again, what makes this sequence so scary mm-hmm. is that it's normal. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's every day. It's broad daylight. Yeah. We're seeing, particularly as a kid who grew up in the seventies. And the John Williams score there too. It's yeah. very jaunty. It's very fun. You're having a, like everything is very like there's no yeah, score in the sequence. No, yeah. When this when Fourth of July, there's score. Oh, I'm t- I'm, okay. I'm ahead of the game here, mother <laughs> effer. Sorry, yeah. got a head, little head there. Sorry. <laughs> no, there, it's it's actually very quiet, and you're really filled that with, day with yes. beach now, sounds. Now I'm with you. Yeah. So Roy Scheider's sitting there, and we see his fear, mm-hmm. and you feel his discomfort in the moment, and you watch him watching every single moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He watches the the girl starts screaming. Well, it's because a guy lifted her up, but he sits up. Maybe this yep. is the mm-hmm. shark. He sees people playing the dog has gone missing and in each of these spielberg wanted it to feel as if it was sort of one shot but how can you do one shot where it's one person facing the opposite direction you have to cut and so his solution is to do these wipes and the wipes Uh, are really remarkable where people will walk by camera uh, and that creates an ability to wipe wipe is where you sort of slide left to right and then and then that you do the cut on the wipe that's awesome. So, now, see, now you give me another reason to go watch it. I'm going to so, go watch so, it tonight. So, here's the interesting, Fascinating. Here's yeah. the interesting thing about it. Okay. Because I tried to do it. I'm doing a student okay. film, and I want to do the Spielberg wipes. Okay. So I have people walking. Someone walk left to right, and I fill them towards the character. Mm-hmm. And then I fill them walking left to right the other way. Mm-hmm. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Because if you switch the direction of the camera, the character that was walking left to right is now walking right to left. Oh, okay. right. So what you actually right, have to do is have someone walk left to right when you're shooting one way, and right to left when you're shooting the other way, wow. so it looks like they're walking the same way right all right wow fascinating Um, dude yeah so and then there's this moment where the kid gets hit by the shark and you've got that amazing uh when when he sees the kid go under that amazing like scorsese might have been the one the rack focus yeah the rack no it's 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 called a zolly okay okay it's a a zolly and what it is is it's a zoom in yes yeah exactly so so it's not a rack focus it's okay and this is by the way the number one thing that student filmmakers do that i want to tell them don't do it don't do it yeah no and what it is is that so you have the camera on a dolly on tracks and you're going to either move the camera physically forward Mm -hmm. while on a zoom lens zooming out yeah or you're going to move the camera physically back while on the zoom lens zooming in and it creates that strange distortion because um wide angle lens tends to uh, make things look deeper mm-hmm. long lenses make things look flatter so it's distorting the image while the camera is moving in the opposite direction yeah and um the most famous early one is vertigo is, oh it's uh, hitchcock, hitchcock okay yeah, all right oh solid. yeah see i don't remember see that's the thing this is the first time i'd ever seen that shot that that use of a, that shot yeah so that's why it sticks out for me is like it was so effective yeah. like that was just brilliant it's such a brilliant way to capture his state of mind absolutely yeah. and the way it's shot again you don't really see the shark you it's see calm s- and it's very yeah. and you see yeah. something weird yeah 
Yeah, what, it's what that, was that raft and the, the, yeah. the is it and the, the fins? Fin? Is, is fin it the fins or, like or is it the yeah. raft? You know, yeah. yeah. And you go, man. It's if we had had Bruce working, it wouldn't have been as good. That's right. Yeah, it yeah. would not have been as good. Very it's, ingenious. It's, yeah. it's, the the shot of all the people freaking out, trying to run out of there, juxtaposed with that raft and the fin spinning over. Yeah. Just all of it is there's such a ferocity and a yeah. helplessness that you immediately feel as a viewer that just it just reinforces the terror and the horror that's going to come. It's very, and one thing I noticed watching this last time, everybody runs into the water to help the kid. Yeah. Except, we're shining in the water. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Our hero, he gets about <laughs> ankle deep. Mm-hmm. And then that's about it. Like, Come on, get out, come yeah, on. That's, yeah, yeah. Ankles deep. That'd be Roka. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you'd be surprised if I even got ankles deep, to be honest with you. And just the fear that is going on around everybody and the way it's shot, the splashing of the water on the camera, it makes you feel like you're there, right? It's almost a POV type shot. Like you feel like you're in the water with these people. And so you sense their their fear and their danger and as you can sense them running out, you know what I'm saying? And then the mom starts looking for her kid, which is a heartbreaking moment. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, that woman is fantastic. She's great. And one of the choices that Spielberg made, in general, they'd had underwater cameras before and could shoot underwater cameras, and they would shoot camera from above. And what Spielberg wanted to do and what the cameraman wanted to do was have the point of view really be at the water surface. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll have the shot where it's half under, half over. Mm-hmm. And that, that feeling of being right there. Yeah. And that's that point of view feeling you're talking yeah. about. Is that, oh, I'm right in the water. Yeah. yeah. And it's also super uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it goes kind of goes back to your, your story about how you won't go deeper than four feet. Yeah. Because you don't know Ooh, what's going on under yeah. there, you know? Yeah. 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 Now, now we know there's a shark. There's not any, <laughs> yeah. like, we're no, not, yeah. we're, no one's denying this anymore. There's really a shark. And uh, the mom of the kid is offered $3,000 yeah. to go hunt the shark. We're in a town meeting. And once again, we're having this argument about, yeah. do we close the beaches? Yeah. And this is the, it's, it, this is the man versus man conflict. And yeah. they are right, by the way. Yeah. I mean, this is an argument we could hear anyway. Hey, if we try to save the environment, it's going to kill our businesses. Yeah. That is a that is a constant argument. Safety and the public good versus commerce and the public good. Mm-hmm. Right. And who interrupts our argument? Mr. Fingernails. Fingernails <laughs> down the chalkboard. <laughs> Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. It's bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommy cards. This shark, swallow you whole. Shaking, tenderizing, down you go. That's a great entrance. One of the greatest entrances ever yep. by any character on screen ever. Just so great. So, gentlemen, Robert Shaw, what yes. do you think? Cheers. You know what? Let's cheers. cheers. Yes. We have our Cheer- whiskey here. Cheer- we'll cheers shot. to Mr. Shaw. Yep. Mr. Shaw. Yes. That's us drinking. His, ah. his, no. his power, mm. the power of that dude yeah. is so, it's like a volcano. Mm-hmm. He's so intense. And I didn't know him from anything. Yeah. You know, as a kid watching films, I didn't know him from The Sting, nothing else before that. And he's had, his body of work is oh, yeah. outstanding. Yeah. But I don't think he's ever been better or more iconic <sighs> in that role. I mean, I know in The Sting, he was... No, taking a Pelham one, two, three, he's really good in that too. Right, but but right. I agree with you. I think this is this thing, signature role. Yeah, there's also a Man for All Seasons. He plays sure. Thomas oh, Moore. Oh shoot, right. Russia with love. Russia with love. But right. like, 
But this is the one. Yeah, this right? The, no. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. I love him in this thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. This no, thing is amazing. He's, a, he's an amazing actor. Yeah. Right. But this is just like seething power. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't their first choice. And he's scary, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're very scary. <laughs> when, right. So who was the first choice? So uh, Lee Marvin was Lee who they Marvin. were. Lee Marvin. Wow. That would have been yeah. interesting. Okay. And, and, and the other one is Sterling Hayden. Which oh, is yeah. Oh, From yeah. Godfather, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Hayden, I believe, mm. I got a little nugget about this. I mm. believe he was cast and then had to back out of the film because of tax problems. Oh, is that right? In he he owned property or something in Mexico. Oh, and he had serious tax issues, and he uh, it prohibited him from doing the film. He was oh, going to wow. do the film to pay those taxes, right. I believe, but then they were like, "Nope, you're not doing anything. We're locking you down. You oh. you got to pay these bills." Yeah. Wow. I'm 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 quite certain that was the story there. So, and, yeah. and again, I feel really bad for Mr. Hayden's tax problems, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm really happy that we got Robert right? Shaw. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine anybody else? No. Well, the thing that Robert Shaw does, and, and this is what's so good about his casting. When you can juxtapose Lee Marvin and Sterling Hayden, they are actors from a different era. Even though Lee Marvin is still like 60s, 70s, like he still has cachet and he's still like this kind of thing. Sure. He's right. just kind of born old. Even when you watch him, <laughs> even when you watch him in Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, he like Morgan feels Freeman. like he's, he's 30 years old. old. Like Morgan yeah. Freeman feels like he's 30 years older than right, he actually yeah. is, right? He looks, he almost looks like he's older than John Wayne. And John Wayne was older than him in that. So you get that feeling. So with Robert Shaw, because he has this kind of like almost ageless. Um, uh, uh, energy, you know, he, he can be as modern as the method Dreyfus, right. as staid as the theater trained Scheider. He has this ability to bridge the gap between those two because he also is a theater trained actor from Britain. Sure. He's a drinker and a half. He's yeah, him and Richard right. Harris and Oliver yeah. Reed are well known, and Richard Burton yep. for being teetotalers all through their time on stage in Britain. Not so, teetotalers. Teetotalers when you don't drink. Not teetotalers, <laughs> right? Anti teetotaler party. Yeah. <laughs> Like all that, so that's what I like about Robert Shaw's performance. He's youthful and yet ancient, and it's so perfect. And he and being a guy bringing up the British thing too, yeah. is he, or was he Irish? Is he British? He's Irish, yeah. But I like, right, you know, yeah. What I loved about his performance as well is like I totally, totally bought he's from that island. Yeah, that he oh, is yeah. a man who lives in a shack. You know, down the road from that town hall, <laughs> and that dude was born to be on a boat. Like right. it just feels so well, lived in. Well, and this is a thing that's you know, it's a small theme in the film, but there's a class structure within the film. Yes, yes. is absolutely. that is that there? First of all, there's islanders and not islanders, mm -hmm. and Chief is not an islander, and that right. comes up multiple times. Yes, and Robert Shaw Quint. He's the, like the ultimate islander. Right. He is, you know, you know that his parents and grandparents and probably great grandparents are buried over there in the That's little right. church cemetery. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when we're going to meet Hooper, who we're going to meet next, he's a member of an entirely different class. Mm -hmm. And let's get there because this, yeah. this this reward has gotten offered. Yeah. And now we've got all the town yahoos who are going out to kill the shark. And yeah. there's some stupid damn people <laughs> with some really bad people. They got dynamite. They got the shotgun. Shotguns. Yeah. Yeah, they're just throwing blood everywhere. That's right. And who shows up but our representative of the Oceanographic Institute, right? Matt Hooper. Matt Hooper. Uh, I love Richard Dreyfus. Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly played by Richard Dreyfus too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. he did. So he got offered the part, and when Spielberg t pitched him the story, he said, 
that sounds like a great movie. I would love to see that movie. <laughs> that seems like a horrible thing to work on. And then why did he do it? You know why, right? I do. Okay. Uh, is that he he had starred in his first starring role, which is The Apprenticeship, the apprenticeship of Lenny Kravitz. Duddy Kravitz. Duddy Kravitz. Kravitz. Yeah. Lenny, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Don't Idea for out. a film. Yes. The Apprenticeship of... <laughs> no, let's go pitch it to CBS. They'll buy that sitcom right <laughs> now. It's really a good idea. Oh, my... <laughs> So the apprenticeship of Please Duddy don't Crow. Out. Duddy Crow, Jesus, that's um, great. He sees himself on the big screen <laughs> yeah. and realizes he's never going to work again. And he should. <laughs> it and was he a goes, flop. It was a flop, though, too, right? Like, yeah, it didn't but, do well. Like yeah. he realized, I got to go fucking find a job, right? Because right. my movie career is over. Yeah. So yes, enter. Yeah, Jaws. and he's great, and he plays his character is funny and smart and. Mm-hmm. And, and slightly unhinged, like yeah. unhinged mm-hmm. in a different way than Quint is, mm-hmm. you know, but it was fun, you know, like, like he's just, you love that he's, he's, he knows he's superior to these yeah. guys, yeah. but he's also got their best interest in mind, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, having now met a bunch of these shark guys and yeah. nature guys, yeah, that's kind of, you know. That's what they're like. Yeah, he, he's the patron saint of film nerddom. Like he is, <laughs> one, he is one of the first nerd characters you can remember totally. seeing on screen. Totally. It's funny you call him a nerd though, because I didn't think of him as a nerd. Really, that's I'm, funny. He's a scientist. He has the glasses, yeah. the rapid fire delivery, the inability to control his emotions in certain moments when he feels <laughs> the need to blurt out. Yeah, what yeah he's just, that, that's he, the unhinged thing. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, no, 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 no. yeah. And, and he's deeply <clears throat> passionate about the exactly. topic that he's right. obsessively passionate about. So much so that at the at the uh, at the expense of everything else around him. Oh yeah. yeah. That's what he loves. Right. Yeah. After our town meeting, Roy Scheider goes back and does oh, a little shark right. research. Yeah. And I've got to talk more about John Great Williams. Scene. So we yeah. haven't brought up John Williams enough. We have Roy Scheider looking through this book at pictures yeah. of sharks, shark jaws, shark wounds. Very disturbing. And we're hearing, uh, we talked about in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and a couple of other films, we talked about this idea of light motifs. And a, and a motif is a, is a piece of music that's associated with a person or a theme or right. an idea right and one of the light motifs that plays here is these are my names by the way mm-hmm. but this is what i call the sea and it's mm. every time we're kind of looking out into the ocean and when he's looking at this book yeah we hear this it's it's a very circular sounding thing it's played mostly on harp and it's uh and it's kind of has an endless yeah beautiful deep unknowable quality yeah and we're going to hear this theme a lot every time we're looking out into the yeah. water and not seeing what we want to see we're going to hear this theme that's right um and then of course the most famous theme yeah is <laughs> and uh do you know you heard the story about how he first played it for spielberg no. Well, if I have, refresh my memory. So, so Williams calls up Steven Spielberg and says, "I've got, I've got the theme for the shark." Spielberg goes up really excited. He comes over to John Williams's house. John Williams sits down at the piano. Yeah. He sits down to play, and Spielberg's thinking, "I'm going to hear some big orchestral, yeah. scary, dissonant thing." And John Williams holds up one finger. Yeah, and he goes, "Dun dun." <laughs> and then looks at Spielberg. And Spielberg thinks he's kidding. Like, what is? What is you doing? He's like, no, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's and, awesome. And it's obviously this is such a well-known piece of music or well-known two notes that it's yeah. become a cliche. But I think you can't overestimate how powerful that shark theme is. Yeah. No, I don't. I, there's no way. There's no way to overestimate that. Well, they've well, used it in numerous films too, as a parody, to parody, and, and, to, and maybe occasionally a series, but usually it's parody 
because of what it symbolizes. And you know? it's so like it's so associated with sharks now too. Yeah, of course. It's so crazy. Like you know, just, you mentioned sharks around people. You know, even yeah. non Jaws fans, movie fans, that they know if you if you say sharks, they think that theme, even if they've yeah. never seen the film. Yeah, didn't it say it was like it was like a minor notes or minor beats or something like that. It was like under it was the way he constructed the song. He didn't want anything major or known. The notes that were major or right. known, he wanted to play these other smaller ones. So, so that they it got even deeper into your brain. That's right. Crazy. This whole yeah. thing is like an earworm. Got even deeper into your brain. That's you know? awesome. No, absolutely. Yeah. And what's so powerful about it is particularly because the shark's not working. Yeah. And so for most of the film, that theme done on. Is the shark? It's working for the shark, yeah. And its power <laughs> is that if the shark is going faster, If it's going away from you, it gets quieter. If wow. it goes slower, it gets slower. If it goes up in the water, it goes up in pitch. If it goes down in the water, it goes down in pitch. Wow. Is that that theme is telling yeah. you so much about what the shark is doing? Yeah. And where we're going to hear it next is we got two idiots <laughs> who get uh, the pot roast, the wife's roast, That's and right. they go out on the dock, hook it up to a hook, yeah. and mm -hmm. throw it in the water. Now, this is a stupid plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't strike me as the Mensa students, those two. <laughs> the wife's pot roast. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's a big hunk of meat. That yeah. was a big I hunk of meat. I don't know what meat cost in 1975, but that was a... That <laughs> His was, wife was pissed. <laughs> she was pissed. Yeah. And, and remarkably enough, here comes the shark, and we hear it. The shark takes it out, yeah. and the guys are sitting on the, the pier, yeah. and they rip the pier off. And mm. again, what do we have here? The shark's not working. How do we show the shark? And so what we have is the pier. Yep. Is the pier becomes the shark yep. and the music becomes the shark. We hear yeah. the shark theme going yes. away, going yes. away, going away. And then oh. we see that pier turn. And now we hear the shark theme come back. And yeah. now instead of being just played on that cello, the whole orchestra takes the shark theme. And you got the guy who he falls into the water right. and his buddy's up there going, Charlie, take my word for it. Don't look back. Swim, Charlie. And we get an additional light motif, which is there's like a French horn that's I call the hunting theme, mm -hmm. which is the da na na. Yes. And when those things come together, when you have just the shark theme, you know the shark is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you have the shark theme and the hunting theme, you know the shark is in attack mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and man. so and and John Williams communicates all this, and this is a really really tense, scary scene. Yeah. And the guy where we never see the shark, never see the yeah. shark. No yep. shark. Yeah. But we see their their uh, desperation and their sliding yeah. on the. Yeah, he's just sliding on the. When he says "Don't look back," that's just so great because you can see it behind. Like it's just this yeah. fear of, of, of everything, and then the way they let. Can we go home now? Yeah. That's just such a great Again, button on that scene. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. comedy that yep. ends the scene and like breaks the tension. Exactly. It's, it's uh, and that's such a uh, Spielberg thing as well. You yeah. know, like put a button on it to mm -hmm. like let everybody take a deep breath. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and this and this is the thing about whether or not this is a horror film is Spielberg is not his desire is not to scare the shit out of you all the time no no he no, wants no. you to feel a lot of different emotions and right. he wants to take the tension off yeah. like again going back to the shining because it's one yeah. we talked about yeah they never pull the tension off no you is always pushing you to dread and That's fear right. and uncomfortableness yeah. and this is like no we're gonna play a lot of different kind of notes here yeah um so matt hooper has shown up and now he wants to uh to examine the remains. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss is a really good actor. Yes, he is. <laughs> in particular, I love, do not smoke in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is not a boat accident. It wasn't any propeller. It wasn't any coral reef. And it wasn't Jack the Ripper. 
It was a shark. Once again, his antisocial stuff comes out in that. And I think yeah. in that moment, and, and in no way is it like uh, offensive or unsettling. Yeah. It is more like him. Like it's, There's almost a, it's a combination of excitement and fear at the same time. Yeah, he is excited. Doing, right? You're right, dude. It's, yeah. It sounds like it to me because it's, <sighs> 20, 20, it's probably 20 feet. Like, the whole thing he's doing is just getting you like hyped into it more. Well, and it emphasizes that this is an ordinary guy. You know, mm-hmm. like Roy Scheider is an ordinary guy. Yep. These are people with flaws and complexities. Is That's that right. he doesn't show up like, oh, I'm the ex, I'm the tough guy. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm a scientist who now has to look at weird body parts. And he's yeah. and he has the classic sort of outsider intro where he yeah. gets off the boat and he says, "Can somebody point me to the, the, the coroner's office?" I oh, think it yeah. was. And they just all wave him off and ignore him because yeah. he's an out, he's a city guy he's an outsider yeah, right. and and you get that air air superiority without him like really like making anyone feel yeah. like you know you're just a bunch of island hillbillies you know right. what I mean and he immediately makes a connection with uh, Roy Scheider yes and city guys wow. two city guys yep. and they're yeah. great that's a great friendship mm-hmm. that's a really and this goes to like as you mentioned in the original book Hooper's going to have an affair with Roy with right. Brody's wife right. I'm really glad they don't do that. Yeah, so I know. Because I love this friendship. Yeah. And I don't, we don't need to, and and this is, again, one of Spielberg's great strengths is what to cut. Yeah. Yeah. How to streamline a story. Yeah. And he does it beautifully on this. There was too much story to begin with. Yeah. I mean, how do you even wedge that in? Right. Are you going to spend time exploring each one of these characters' backstories? It just would take forever. That's right. Well, and it's also what, you know, understanding what is the audience here for? What's driving the story forward? Right. And that's not driving the story forward. It is unnecessary. Yep. So fortunately, though, we we caught the shark. Yes, and uh, all we're, right. we're all cool. Not that you know, we found this big shark, clearly a man eater. We've we've hauled him up and yep. are hanging him. People are taking pictures with him. Uh, <laughs> Chief Brody's thrilled because yeah, obviously right. there can't be another shark like this in that's these right. waters. Look how right. big it is. <laughs> because Chief Brody knows so much that's about right. which sharks are in these waters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, and uh, <laughs> 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 this moment is so powerful. And so hard is mom walks up. Oh, oh yeah, the man. mom, the mom. Yep, slaps him right in the face. Yeah, because he knew. Yep. Chief Brody. Yes. I just found out that the girl got killed here last week, and you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. <laughs> You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. You knew all those things. But still, my boy is dead now. She's great. As you said Mm -hmm. before, she is amazing. Local. They cast a local. Yeah, local. Yep. Yep. And what's so good about the moment to me is that the mayor says she's wrong, Chief. And Chief says, no, she's not. That's yeah. right. That, that's, that, and this is where this movie transcends genre. Yeah. We're like, oh, this is about something now. Yeah. And that's a really, from a writer's perspective, that's a, such a human reaction. It's a non-movie line. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a real life way to respond to that, you know, feeling of guilt. Yeah. And the fact that Spielberg... The, and Gottlieb and the other writers had the balls to put that in there. Is just ugh, just amps it up to again transcendent. Yeah. Well, and it shows the essential morality and honesty of Brody. That's right. Is that he will not 
he won't take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. He cares about doing what's right. That's right. Yeah. Is that he doesn't care about what's going to happen to the shops. He doesn't care. He wants no to do line. the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful, and not in a John Wayne way, you know, right. not in a big heroic way, Absolutely. in an ordinary guy way. Yeah. In a John McClane sort of way. He's a very diehard sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I just got to get the job done. You know, like, I'm a good guy, and whatever it takes to get it done, I got to get over my own stuff and get it done. All right, our next pitch. Chief Brody. (laughs) He's trapped in a building with terrorists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, Chief Brody goes home. (laughs) And the making faces scene. Ah, yeah. It's my favorite scene in the film. So, my favorite song. So why is it your favorite scene? Because it's to go back to what you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. It's it's the beginnings of these signature Spielberg uh, moments yeah. and things that he does in every one of his films. And Spielberg with uh, parents and their children. Like no, I don't know if anybody does that sort of filmmaking better. Yeah, like he yeah, understands what. He understands kids, and he yeah. understand he understands how to get them comfortable on camera, and how to get them to be real on camera. Yeah, far and away better than anybody else who's particularly made at this time yeah. in his career. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's so, and, and he's and, a young guy. I mean, he's what is he twenty seven when yeah, he's making Jaws? Twenty seven. So he's already got that like sixth sense about how to do that. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, but like, the scene, man, talk we, about well, it. Well, yeah. we got to say, I mean, Spielberg comes on like. I mean, he's a boy genius. Yeah. He is. You know, as, as much as I'm not going to make Orson Welles comparisons, yep. but he's one of those people who yeah. comes pretty much fully formed. You know? Absolutely. I mean, he's, right. a, he's a film, film school, not dropout, but he didn't finish film school, and he's no. still the greatest filmmaker, well, arguably, in the history of Hollywood. The thing about him is that he has this kind of belief in himself that you, like Paul Thomas Anderson, we talk about Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson acted as if he, acted as if. Right. Right? And Spielberg does it. Spielberg sneaks on the lot. Spielberg lies, sits in an office and lies to people that he's actually a director yeah. on the lot. Well, let's tell the story. If you're going to tell the story, we got to well, tell I'm the whole saying, story. Okay, fine. But like, I'm just saying these are these things that I know about him from doing this, the research or doing the class that I took for a whole uh, summer school session on him. It's amazing the tricks that he pulled, but he had laid the groundwork within himself that this is where he was supposed to be. And he didn't need to stay in those situations. I totally, school, I totally agree. Yeah. We've hinted at this story. Go ahead. We've got to tell the story. Please. So, <laughs> so Spielberg shows up. Uh, he's, he's made uh, Amblin. He's made a short film. Yeah. Some people right. have seen it. He meets someone. I don't remember who it is who's uh, executive at Universal and says, hey, I like you, Steven Spielberg. Alfred Hitchcock is shooting on the Universal lot. Do you want to come on one day and and, and watch him shoot? Spielberg goes, of course. He goes to the gate. He gets a day pass. He meets the guard at the gate. He says, hi, nice to meet you. I'm going, I'm really excited. I'm going over to see Alfred Hitchcock. He goes to see Alfred Hitchcock for the day. Uh, It was really cool. Goes home. Next day. Decides to drive back to Universal. Doesn't have a day pass, <laughs> but he knows the guard. He You're says, right. hey, what's up, George, good to see you. <laughs> gets onto the lot. Security maybe not quite as tight as it is now. Yeah. Um, gets onto the lot and just tools around the Universal lot. Has a nice time. Goes wow. home that night. Next day, comes back. Hi, George, good uh. to see you. Here I am again. Goes onto the lot, starts looking around, sees people shooting, finds some empty offices. Wow. Goes, oh. Maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll just hang out in this office. This seems kind of nice. There you go. Goes home that night, grabs his typewriter, goes back. <laughs> Hi, George. Goes into the office, starts writing in the incredible. office. Then this goes on for day after day after day, and then he realizes, you know, I could really use a phone. So he goes back, <laughs> and when he's coming, he knows George, and yeah. he says, "George." He says, "Hi, Stephen. Hi, George." He goes, "George, you know, 
I, I don't get it. I've been waiting for them to set up a phone oh, man, for weeks and no one's That's coming brilliant. by my office. And George says, oh, well, you know, you got to talk. Those guys, they're they're terrible. You got to <laughs> you got to talk to Shirley over in maintenance. Oh. She's the one to talk to to get you the phone. He calls up Shirley. Hey, George said you Shirley, you're the person I should talk to. Gets wow. his phone set up. He's there for months. That's fantastic. <laughs> just another writing. Yep. Just wow. Not making writing. a dime, just hanging nope, out just and, being on and the faking it until he makes it. He totally Costanza that shit. He did. He <laughs> said, Costanza. Well, and this goes to what you're saying <laughs> yeah. of, you know, di- directing is not a job for people who, I won't say that insecure people don't direct. No, it's true. But I will say that you have to be able to put forth a front, mm-hmm. you know, and Spielberg as the captain of this ship, literally, yeah. on this island where everything is going wrong and everyone is looking to him, yeah. he can't show weakness. Right. And the guy that could bullshit his way onto the Universal backlot is also the guy that was able to <laughs> keep the shoot going. Yeah. And and I think also from from a creative standpoint, you have to you and you learn this and the fact that he had it that early, but yeah. you learn that you have to be the the last word. You have to yeah. be the, you know this as a director. You have to be the last word and go, this is what we're doing, whether it fails or succeeds. This right. is what we're doing. So when you show that, if you're Steven Spielberg out in the middle of the ocean on a boat that's sinking, yeah. you have to be the guy that goes, we're going to get it done because you have to rally your your troops. You have mm-hmm. to be the cheerleader. And if you start to act like, oh, we're fucked, yeah. then you're fucked. You, are you know fu- what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So like it's it's it takes some of us longer to learn how to do that sure. it took me it took me ages like i you know i <laughs> as a writer you second guess yourself all the time and when somebody gives you control of something then suddenly you're like oh geez i don't I, right. is this the right thing but then you finally just you know you just got to go no this is what we're doing this, yeah. is, this is where we're going trust well, me well that right and then you're fired yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that writer world is like you in a room with all your insecurities yes. trying to constantly second guess and you know over and over again and it's it's horrible yeah and the world of production is i'm in the middle of it and i have to be able to point and we have to go that way and Mm. and it's actually what i I like both of them it's why i like writing and directing is Mm -hmm. that there's a certain amount of time in the right writer's room where i can't handle it anymore right and and i want to go out with people and i want to be because being a director forces you to be decisive. Yes. You know, it yeah. forces you. It's like, there is no time to second guess. That's right. Yeah. You have to say, this is what it is. And lots of times, it, you, you you actually don't have the data to make a good decision. Right. Spielberg's on the right. boat, yeah, yeah. and, and that, sh- that, that sail shows up in the distance, and he has to make the calculation, am I better off turning our boat or switching to a different shot right. which is going to take me an hour right or am i better off holding off here and waiting for that wow. boat to go by yeah. and and hoping that no other boat shows yeah, up on the horizon yeah. the next moment right and the and there is no way of knowing and you just make a call yeah and yeah. that's tough absolutely you know yeah. and the 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 strength of steven spielberg at this time to yeah. do that yeah remarkable yeah and to put a put put a more of an uh, a period on that point steve to keep the executives off his ass, you know, to oh, keep yeah. the Hollywood, you know, to keep Brown and Zanuck happy, you know, back in Hollywood and to have them keep, you know, the bean the counters. Money people, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. this movie's yeah. going over budget That's and right. over schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we don't know that we're going to get anything. Yeah. They're taking their, they're taking their, their confidence from him. So, yeah. you know, yeah. whether he's faking it or not, yeah. they're, they're going back and going, no, no, he's got it under control. Right. So Brody is as down as you possibly can be. Mm hmm. 
Yes. And the it, scene. The yeah. scene. And one of the things, by the way, about the making faces scene is that actually came from Roy Scheider. Because between takes, Roy Scheider's sitting with the kid yeah. and he just started doing this. It's great. And that's great. He goes to Spielberg and he says, Steven, you gotta come over here and watch this. <laughs> and Spielberg watches it and that's how it ends up in the movie. Brilliant. Wow. That's you know? really great. Yeah. Really great. Um and then in walks in walks Matt Hooper with a couple of bottles of wine. That's sure, sure. And all of his personality. And you <laughs> see it's just I love watching Roy Scheider fill up his oh, glass all mm. the way to the top. <laughs> I, I love, I love the Roy Sh- that that Hooper's going. Oh, maybe you should let that breathe. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you see a little detail that Hooper was brought up in a certain way. He bought a red and a yeah. white. They're, I bet they're expensive. Some refinement to him there. Yeah, yeah absolutely, dude. And that's when we find out we're going to go cut the shark open because we don't believe this is the shark. Right. Cut the shark open. It's not the shark. No. That's right. <sighs> Brody's worst nightmare. Putting on the mask again? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, throws it, he throws all the stuff out there. It's out of his head, yeah. And that is real, by the way. Tiger sharks really do eat all sorts yeah. of weird crap. Yeah. That, that, that one is true. Uh, and we're going to go off on Hooper's boat. Uh, fancy boat. Yeah. <laughs> Orca. With all its bells and whistles. They have a great sort of drinking and boating scene where they have a great conversation. Yeah. Where we hear a little bit of each of their sort of strange craziness. <laughs> and then we find uh, Ben, what's his name? Ben. Oh, oh, Ben, uh, not Ben Harper. That that guy's a singer. Who's that? Uh, it's not Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, it's not Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> ben Gardner. Ben Gardner. Hey. Ben Gardner, that's it. There you go. Is that the mayor's Not Ben name? Harper. Ben Harper, I was close. <laughs> not that mother scratcher, Ben Gardner. Who's a local that yeah. they cast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Hooper goes, oh, I'm going to go get in the water and start swimming around at night. This is where I'm actually a little scared. Yeah. 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 That's a great scene. Great scene, great yeah. scare. Yeah, and and you know that uh, you probably know uh, Spielberg didn't like it at first. Wow! Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, so so they have their first, so you finish a film mm-hmm. and and you're going to go out and you're going to have test screenings. Wow! So you're going to show uh, the, right, to see what would happen to right? see what would happen. So we're having a test screening and um, the audience is going nuts. Yeah. They're screaming, they're laughing, they're crying, they're cheering, and at the end of the movie, everyone's. Going, this is it. You did it. You did it. Yeah. And Zanuck and Brown walk up to Spielberg and go, it's perfect. It's amazing. It's off the charts. It's incredible. You're a hero. And Spielberg goes, I'm not happy. Oh. <laughs> and he said, there was one more. There's one more scream. There's one more good scream we didn't get. Is, did they film that scene in a tank? In a, in a swimming pool. In a swimming pool. Okay. So, this, that's why so, this is ringing a bell. So he okay. didn't like the way the head fell out of the hole. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like, and there's two choices. It's like. The head can fall out and the audience sees it before Dreyfus sees it. Right. The head could fall up right as Dreyfus walks up. Dreyfus can look up and then the head could fall out. Right. And he's trying to figure out which is the scariest. Yeah. They go to film it in a tank and uh, it's not Richard Dreyfus. Uh, mm. It's someone else who does that big face. Mm. No, uh, 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 oh, really? F- films it multiple times. That's not Dreyfus in the film? I believe in that one. Uh, really? Yeah, I just oh, did the face. wow. Huh. In that one shot, I think it's not Dreyfus. No I'm kidding. not 100% sure. No kidding. Wow. Um, and tries a bunch of different takes of it, puts it into the movie, does the next test screening, huge scream. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and, dude, and d- it is. dude doesn't have an eye. Come on now. He comes right at you. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. They put that in 3D these days. So despite the <clears> fact <throat> that we found dead Ben Gardner's head, yes. Mayor still didn't want to close the fucking beaches. No. Right. Yeah. And we're arguing Murray. with him. And this is... You know, I, it's funny. As a younger person watching this scene, I go, that denial is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And as an older person who watches various people in power make various decisions yeah. over long periods of time, I go, hmm, denial seems pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And also being a, a grown-ass adult who plans things and goes, 
I think I can still make this happen, even though all yep. of the shit is hitting the fan. Like, well, you know, as adults, yeah. you go, you, you, you go, oh, wait a minute. There's, there's still a chance I can pull this off until, mm-hmm. no, you're, this is not happening anymore. You have to eat it. And that's what yeah. the that's what the mayor is doing. He's mm-hmm. he, he has to eat it at this point. Well, and the shark apparently is going to eat it too because, <laughs> yeah. because it's time for the Fourth of July. Yes. It's the biggest day on the beach of the year. Yep. We get this great John Williams music cue. That's the scene I was talking about. Yeah. Yes, uh, where the where the it's like they're lining up for slaughter. They're just marching yeah. down to the beach. Of course, nobody's actually going in the water. No. Yep. We got Coast Guard. We got all sorts of police. There's, we got people yep. with rifles. No one's going in the water. Finally, people start going in. Is, and isn't this where Peter Benchley is the reporter as well? Peter Benchley's the reporter. Oh, right. he's, the, he's the one doing the, the beaches on July 4th or whatever. And yeah, he goes in the, people go in the water because the mayor walks up to that old guy. He's like, hey. Yeah, that rich couple that's yeah, the rich sitting couple. there. Like, yeah. on, you guys got, can, please, nobody's please go going in the water. The water. And I love the, the old guy. He's like, well, you know, the sun. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, I just excuses. put on my suntan lotion. And, and it's great. <laughs> It's great stuff. Yeah, yeah they, I can't go to the inauguration, but I can go to the yeah. Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and then, then, again, we get all of these sort of just normal day at the beach yep. stuff. Yep. And this is one of the key things, again, going to John Williams and Steven Spielberg, is there are a lot of horror movies where they feel their job is to scare you, and they will cheat yeah. to scare you. Spielberg doesn't cheat. And one of the keys to that is that when we see there, a shark fin shows up, and people are scared and running away, and it's a fairly scary scene. Mm-hmm. There's no shark music. Mm-hmm. There's no music. Right. Yeah. Ah. Is that they don't cheat. Okay. As opposed to a lot of horror movies where yep. you're walking down the hallway and there's creepy music, and then the cabinet opens and you hear, Brip, and you have the big scare, <laughs> and everyone jumps into the cat. It's a cat. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the filmmaker coming in to lie to you. Yeah, yeah. right. And Good we like point. that. It's not that people don't like it. Yep. But this movie is honest in a way yep. that that movie is not. Right. Yeah. We don't cheat. We have the fake scare. And, of course, after you have the fake scare, <laughs> you know the real one That's is right. coming. Yeah. And it's constructed so perfectly, you know, because you see the fin mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. disc and you see you you hear the woman. Which is- the, is that one of the first times we've seen the fin? Yeah, yeah. This is where we really first yeah. start yeah, to okay. see the shark. Yeah, yeah. Right. What's great is her is the woman's reaction, right? The the hippie painter, whoever she is. It's a shark. Yeah, just, it's just the shark. Exactly. <laughs> when you see Jaws two, the same thing happens when they're out on those connected boats and barge. Oh, right. That girl has that freak out. You can't say it because when you see the enormity of a twenty five foot creature like sure. this. Like it, words fail you. Well, it was great too. You know, because when she does that, Scheider has just had he's just had to eat crow or yeah. whatever you want to call right, it. Yeah. Because it was the bluefish or whatever, right. and he got yeah. it wrong from his his tower, his watchtower. Tower, tower, yeah. And then he's just like he's so, he's kind of exhausted, and he's here, yeah. and he's walking, and he hears her, and you just see him kind of like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh wait a minute. This is this is the real thing. Well, and then he the, takes off. What's on that the key run. piece of information for this? It's his it's his wife saying Mikey's in that. Oh coat. right. Yeah. His That's, kids are in the yes. pond. It's going. Yes. He sent his kids to the mm-hmm. pond to keep That's them right. safe. Exactly. And where's the shark heading? Mm-hmm. To the pond. To the pond. Mm-hmm. And I think this sequence is really scary. And I think the scariest shot of Bruce. Is the shot behind the guy who's oh, trying to help him? Yes. Where the shark comes up, that's where oh, it looks. Yeah. That's where that that fake mechanical shark work, works the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that shot. good point, man. And, and then you have this 
severed leg. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's funny. It was and one of the things to get it to have the right rating was how long they stayed on that leg. Oh, Originally, yeah. they let it hit the ground, blood poured out, and mm. they were going to get the. I think I think it's P, is it R rating? It, or? It, well, I mean, PG thirteen didn't exist yeah. then. Yeah. That was until Temple of Doom, I believe. Yeah. That's Temple of Doom. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, it's between PG and R, and and like, how tame does that seem right. by today's standards? Right. You know. And so now. We, we think we all agree there's a problem with this shark, yeah. and even our friend the mayor agrees. And his performance is really good in the hospital. Oh, he's God, freaked he's out. so good. Well, I don't want us to. I don't want yeah, us to run ahead. there just yet. I think this scene is really important because not, you do. You're right. What you said, the ferocity of the the, the shark, right? Mm-hmm. The biting of the leg. But I also think what it does to his kid. Right, the oh, shock because yeah. he kind of goes into a shock he coma into a shock because, of some sort. Yeah, yeah, because the filmmaking is so good here that you feel like you're riding the shark, and, and then you feel yeah. like you're the kid at the same time with the angles that they're using. And it got personal yes. for Brody. With at Brody, that point. that's what it was, and that is yeah. something. And and Ellen Gray's reaction, where she's like, oh, "Is he dead? Is he mm-hmm. dead?" Like all of that yeah. is all very real and natural, and it yeah. adds. It adds what you're talking about, Steve. Like, they don't cheat. The horror they do here is real horror. It isn't bullshit horror yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. jokes or for gags. It's real life levels deep horror. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and it's a family being ripped apart by the shark. Like, almost being ripped apart by the shark. Literally. Literally. Yeah. You know? And that's what's so... I yeah. think that's so important in this scene that it becomes personal for Brody. Like you're saying, yeah. Eric. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because to go, then to go back to the hospital scene when yeah. Brody has the... Here's the sign. Yes. Here's, yes. The, yes. here's the thing the that you're going to sign yeah. to close the beaches. His intensity... And he, when he pulls the mayor behind yeah. the curtain and the mayor is trying, he's just sitting there trying to, he's reasoning it out to himself. Right. They're like, yeah, this is, this is why I did it, but, but this is what we're going to do now because this is obviously <laughs> the right thing to do. And, and Brody's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. Like, there's that <laughs> awesome Roy Scheider, like intense mm-hmm. craziness that those great actors have. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Because he knows better. He knows, he knows he was right, right. all along. He knows the mayor was wrong all along, right. and he hates himself for having yep. sacrificed his principles for the mayor and his kid almost and his kid almost got right. eaten and, for it yeah. for that reason, or his kid's yeah. in the hospital for it. So yeah, right. and his but but then uh, what was what's a great button to that scene is the mayor saying, Martin, my kids were on that beach as well. Right, like, that's so yeah. powerful. Right, you know. Well, right. and this goes to what does it take to change your worldview? Yeah, and as as we look at the world today, apparently a lot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you could point. be presented with a lot of stuff and yeah. still hold on to the way you want to look at the world. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, as much as I'd like Donald to believe... Donald Trump is going to have to get his life saved by a Muslim <laughs> to change his shit. That's, let's shark. just go there, all right? Yeah, there a Muslim shark. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, but please. Sorry, I interrupted so, you. The, the thought of the Muslim shark yeah. has derailed me slightly. Are we, are we pitching another show now? <laughs> it's a good one. This, this season on Fox <laughs> Animation Domination, Muslim shark. Muslim shark. Wow. <laughs> I'm gotta, still a little derailed. All right. So because the thing we have that friends that buy that show, the, Steve. The thing that we come out of the hospital with yeah. is Quint. Yes. yes. Now it's time. Yeah. And this is the shift. This is the transition mm-hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. The film up to this point has been man versus man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the film now. is now becoming man versus shark. Yep. And the thing is, and again, this goes to whether or not I think this is a horror film. 
it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. It is so fun. Mm-hmm. And, and and I have to say, so the, this is a scene I teach. The scene where we all meet Quint in Quint's place is yeah. one that I'll spend 25, mm. 30 minutes discussing. Yep. And there's a lot here. Yeah. The first thing I will say is that you make a tremendous number of choices as a director. And every one of your choices should exist to reveal character. And mm. this is one that is so powerful. The first thing is the environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just by seeing the space that Quint lives in, we learn a lot about Quint. Yeah. If you look at the opening shots of the scene, which is uh, Brody and Hooper walking into the space, yeah. each of their reactions to the space reveals character. Is that... Brody walks in and goes, what the fuck is this place? Right, right. And Hooper walks in and goes, oh, my God, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. That is their reaction to the space. Of course. And already, right at this moment, we understand a little bit about this scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and all this dialogue in the scene, it's not that it's unimportant. It's that you're not really listening to it. Mm-hmm. Because what you're actually dealing with is the interplay between the characters like you don't you know hooper says a bunch of stuff about where he served and right you know we talk about different kinds of you don't really hear that stuff yeah like here's an example of why it's so brilliant is that we walk in and quint offers brody a shot right. of some kind of moonshot yeah hey chief you try this made it myself pretty good stuff <laughs> thanks why does he do that oh i think it seems to me tradition to because uh, he's an old school guy to welcome him to his place with a shot, but it's also a way of testing his. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's there what you I was go. Yeah. I think it's a, to see the reaction yeah. that he gets out of him. Oh, and, yeah. and if you watch it, so watch this scene, and if you watch Quint as Brody takes the shot, yeah. he is staring at him, yeah. going, "What are you going to do?" And what does Brody do? Brody's the one that spits it out, right? He takes a little, little tiny sip. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he holds it in his mouth. Yeah. And when Quint's not looking, right. he spits it out. Yeah. yeah. Has Brody passed the manhood test? Uh, is, Quint's got his back turned, right? No, well, Quint knows he didn't shoot it. Right. He does not pass the manhood test. No, he doesn't. Okay. Then, yeah. He fails the manhood yeah. test. Now, what does Hooper do? Oh, I'm forgetting what Hooper does in yeah. that scene. Hooper takes the shot. Right. Oh, does Hooper Bro- does it? Yeah. Bro- he takes the shot out of Brody's hand. Brody yeah. says, don't drink that. Hooper shoots it. So right here already we've established. Which kind of pisses Quint off too, because you know Quint wants him to. Quint wants him to wilt like a little right. flower too. Right. You well, know? and this is the thing is that there, this is this class structure and it's the yeah. sense of yeah, yeah, who yeah. respects who yeah. and where the manhood competition is. Right. Is that Quint continuously disrespects Hooper, yeah. who yeah. theoretically he should give more respect to because Hooper knows his way around mm-hmm. boats. That's right. He could, you know, he knows about sharks. Right. Brody doesn't know anything. He's a full landlubber. Yeah, right. yeah. But he gives more, I would say that he gives more respect to Brody in a way of disrespect mm-hmm. yeah. than he does give to Hooper, who he secretly knows to respect a little bit. It's very complicated what's yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, it's, it's good. I'm sorry. And, and, so, sorry, I have so much to say about no, this. No, please, please. <laughs> and, and Hooper, what does he want when he comes in? He wants Quint's respect. Yeah, prove right. That's why he takes a shot. And there's this moment where Brody is introducing Hooper, and he says, oh, this is Matt uh, Hooper. He's from the Oceanographic Institute. Hooper interrupts him and says, no, no, no. I've crewed three transpacks, and I've been on an American's mm-hmm. truck trial. So what he's doing is he's – and this is, A, it's good exposition because it's just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing is saying, don't introduce me as a scientist. Right. Yeah. Introduce me as a guy who knows both. As a seaman. As a right. seaman. Yeah, yeah. And again, does Quint listen to that or take that to give him respect? No. He doesn't respect him. Mm-hmm. This is Matt Hooper. I know who he is. I have crewed three transpacks. Transplants. No, 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 no. He's from the Ocean of America's Cup trial. Mr. Hooper, I'm not talking about pleasure boating or day sailing. I'm talking about working for a living. I'm talking about sharking. 
Well, I'm not talking about hooking some poor dogfish or sand shark. I'm talking about finding a great white. Porkers? Talking about porkers, Mr. Hooper? Just tie me a sheep shank. And, and then what's he asking him to do? He asks him, you know, tie me a sheep shank. Tie me shank. a knot. Yeah. Yeah. Tie me a sheep shank. Yeah. And, then, and this is, again, there's a great moment. So now Hooper is starting to get pissed off. Mm-hmm. Hey, you should give me some respect. Why are you giving me no respect? He's tying the knot. And here's a, here, this is a direct, key directorial moment. Mm-hmm. Hooper finishes tying the knot. He throws it to Quint. Now you have a character choice to make. You could either have Quint look at the knot and yeah. say, oh, good job. You could have Quint look at the knot and say, bad job. Mm-hmm. Or, and this is the choice they do, you could have Quint not look at the knot at all. Doesn't yeah. give a shit. Yep. Does not give a shit mm-hmm. because the test didn't matter because he didn't give you any respect in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. That is good directing and brilliant fucking acting. Yeah. And that's where that's immediately after he grabs his hands, right? Mm-hmm. Next he does great, the no, city the hands. hands. comes next. Yeah. After yeah. the knot, the hand oh, kicks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So first of all, one of the best cuts of all time from Verna Fields, the cut to the to the they turn into frame and you cross the line. You'll see the cut I mean. Yeah. Okay. It's an amazing cut. And then there's this monologue of Give me your hands. Dogfish. You got a five thousand dollar net. You got two thousand dollars worth of fishing, and along comes Mister Whitey. By the time he's finished with that net, looks like a kiddie scissor class has cut it up for a paper doll. Again, we don't really understand what Quint's saying. You got three thousand pounds of net, and this, and you got along right. comes Mister. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, <laughs> but I know like a really intense moment is happening. You got city hands, Mr. Hooper. You've been counting money all your life. All right, all right. Hey, I don't need this. I don't need this working class hero crap. And in this moment, framed between um, Quint and Hooper, is Chief Brody taking off his glasses. And his line is, you, you, You're not going to do this aboard the ship, are you, Mr. Quint? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And now this is now we have our threesome. Yeah. yeah. This and this is a great threesome. It is. Yeah. To go off on an adventure. Absolutely. Well, and, the, and from what I've read, the rumors are they didn't like each other. Uh, on set at all, like Dreyfus and and Shaw, like Shaw purposely went out of well, his way to pick of, on yeah. Dreyfus the whole time because he saw Dreyfus as the old school, the new school of acting, yeah. and Shaw was the old school of right. acting. Right? You came in and you just did it. Well, well Dreyfus kind of has he. I mean, he's he's got the reputation yeah. of having airs anyway. Like yeah. he 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 him had an Hoffman attitude. Both. Him and Hoffman both, right? As the small nebbish Jewish guy, Jewish right. guys coming into the, the new th- school of like respect. method, you yes. know, act New York actor guy, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That chip on their shoulders, and you have that because they have. With Olivier and uh, Hoffman, Hoffman and Marathon right. Man. Right. Marathon, Marathon Man. Man. So you have this kind of it's thing. It's called acting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it works because it brings the tension of their relationship yeah. into the actual film. And it's, it's powerful. And it also works on another level, too, because if you break this thing down and make it in 2017 terms, right? You're looking at Quint as a Trump supporter. You're looking <laughs> at you're looking at Dreyfus as a Obama or Clinton supporter. Because, Bernie. Yeah, Bernie. Hey, like, basically. Bernie guy, and yeah. then you have Shiner as kind of like this guy, the middle America, yeah. like trying to figure out which side mm-hmm. I'm going to be, which side I'm going to vote for. Right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to, and he does smart things. Brody doesn't have to prove his manhood. He's the chief of police. That, that's true. So, yeah. so him sipping and spitting it out, he's going, I don't have to do this stupid Yeah, he's game. not interested in he those He doesn't. Yeah. But, yeah. Bro, but, but, but Hooper is so desperate to, because nerds sometimes need this approval from <laughs> men, from like primal men, because they feel that they're not primal men. And the vice versa, like uh, primal men are intimidated by nerdy men, so they have to constantly ch- test their manhood as a way of establishing dominance. And you see this happening psychologically yeah. in that whole scene. Absolutely. Well, and the thing is, is that Quint is right. Yes. Hooper is a rich kid. Yes. And mm-hmm. 
Quint, in a matter of <laughs> seconds, has pointed out mm-hmm. Hooper's greatest insecurity. Hits all the buttons at once. Is that yeah. Hooper spent his life going out and not trying not to be a rich kid. Right. And going, I'm going to go, you know, hang out with great white sharks. Yeah. Great point. Um, and, and one more thing I want to point out about these three characters is, is people ask question when i'm teaching of like well how do you come up with a great character and the answer of course is well uh, have some talent and (laughs) um there isn't like a system but um complexity of characters and complexity of conflicts is is something that's really valuable and and this in terms of setting up three characters to go on an adventure together is is so well done because they all have the same goal the goal is to get the shark right yeah but their 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 nature and their motivation is very different so for brody he has no interest in sharks. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the water. He doesn't like boats. His motivation is kill the shark to protect the people. That's right. right. That's why he's trying to do what he's doing. Hooper probably does want to protect the people, but that's not really his main motivation. No. He wants to go out to find the shark because he loves sharks. Yeah. He's obsessed with sharks. Sharks are his great passion. And while he believes that this shark does need to be killed, he wants to... It's scientific curiosity that's driving him. Yeah. Quint wants to kill the shark. He's also obsessed with sharks in like the opposite way. Mm-hmm. He hates sharks. And I think in my interpretation of his character, he is hunted sharks his whole life because he is deeply afraid of sharks yes sure and that is him fighting his own fear proving his own manhood yeah. so now we have these three guys he's got a personal story with with sharks yeah, 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 well, yeah. Which we're gonna get we'll to. get there yeah, yeah. And, and now we have these three guys who are going out to do the same thing but they're completely different completely different motivations different backgrounds and that's where we're gonna get good drama well, yeah, and you look at when you look at Quint, the idea, the reason why he's afraid of these sharks is because of what happened, which we find out later. But what happens at that is that his entire manhood is cut out from under him, and the thing yeah. that cut out his manhood is the thing that he hunts and destroys yep. all the time in an in a vain effort to reestablish <laughs> his manhood. I mean, the mm-hmm. Moby Dick metaphors are not accidental. No, the it's all oh, yeah, right. This guy sure. is is, is well set up. Absolutely. Sure. Um so we sail out to sea and there's just a beautiful shot oh through the through the yep. shark jaws. Yes. Yep. And I want to talk bring up now two more light motifs from our friend John Williams. Yeah. Okay? So the first one is there, there are two ones that are sort of sailing adventure themes. Yes. And they both sound very sailor like. They're they're the instrumentation is with flutes and they're high. And, yes. and and one one kind of goes dun 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 there's nothing more joyful yes. yeah i mean and, and, the, and the other adventure one is time yeah it's we're going out <laughs> really on a big is. adventure yeah um and the other one is do 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 also very 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 adventurous and joyful if they don't like you going out, they'll know you're coming in. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh, and we're going to hear these themes later on, but played in a really different way. Yeah. And this is, it's so, we're so happy to get off the island yeah. Yeah. and start going after the shark. Yeah, absolutely. Finally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We get to see life on board. Yeah. We get uh, <laughs> some chumming. 
and, and, and you get to see you get to see how adept Hooper is at, yeah, yeah, on, on a boat, yeah. and, and that he knows what he's doing, which pisses Quint off, yeah. right? You know, um, and Quint hates all of his sci- scientific, mm-hmm. you know, mumbo jumbo and his his tools and his you know all the st- stuff he brought out there, but. Is it useful? For sure it is. Well, you know? And, and, and yeah. again, Spielberg, very good at classic plants and payoffs yeah. of, hey, be careful, that's compressed air. Right. You can blow us all <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. you can't. But scuba tanks don't explode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's not true. Right. <laughs> but it's beautifully set up. Yes. Um, and then we have this first moment. We have we have Brody's trying to tie a knot. Wait, do you, do, you, do you mean in Superman when he flies around the Earth and turns it backwards? No, that, that, does, that, that does change time. Will that change time? All right, Every cool. time Superman I just does it, it's make... worked. Because I, I don't want my mind to be blown just now. All right, thanks. Anyway, keep going. So so we're on boat. Brody's practicing tying knots. Um, yeah. And there's this slow tension oh, build. Oh, that's such a good it's scene. beautifully done. Where he's putting on the strapping himself in. And yeah. he's got the, the fishing pole. And Brody's totally underwear. And yeah, then he's just working on his knots. Working yeah. on, and it's so, again, Spielberg does things in a way that's perfect. Yeah. The moment he says, I got it. I Zing! got it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I got it. What? Get behind me. Here's my question. Is that the shark? I wow, always thought it was. Oh, that's a really Hooper good... Hooper says it's not. That's hmm. a really good question. Hooper says it's not the shark. Oh, because he says cut, cut the line. Cut, cut the, the line. It's not the shark. That's right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we ever a, get to know. That's yeah, a good that's question, true. dude. Ah, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. I mean, I guess I always thought it was, but now that we're examining it. He's almost insulting him, too, by saying, like, he's got the line. It's not the shark. It's not the yeah. shark. And it goes, what do you know? What do you know? There's the, that battle again. Yeah, yeah. the reasonable well, battle. And the resolution doesn't really no. matter because what's important is the battle between Quint and Hooper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Move yeah. a l- little further forward, and now we get to the moment. Yeah. Brody's chumming. Slow it, Hitch. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. And up comes Bruce. And by the way, we should say that took like nine million takes because that shark didn't work. Oh, right. wow. To get that shark to do that one thing, it took a long, long time. And wow. upon rewatching it a million times, yeah. it's totally evident that it's a mechanical shark. Right. But you're watching it in a theater first for the time. first time on a, a TV screen. Shit your pants. Of I mean, course. like, you know, without, to put a Which, fine point on it, man, like, yeah. it is scary. And, and shy, uh, Brody is his reaction, that reverse shot of him after yeah. he does oh, it. Oh, when and, he pops and, and, in a frame? Yeah. I mean, oh, he's great. Like, and I don't, I don't. I don't think his cigarette drops out of his mouth yet, but like he's backing. Was it back when mm-hmm. he's backing up into the thing? He had a cigarette, yeah. okay. and I think it drops out of his mouth when he's know. when he backs up into no, the, like, the cabin the, where where sh- where, sh- uh, where uh, Quinn yeah. is. I think it just kind of like naturally falls out. <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. the speed with which he comes into frame, which I wonder yeah. if Spielberg sped up even more Maybe. because uh, he just call. was. He, he it's just, just snaps literally right up there. It, it's like stepping on a garden rake. Like the the wood goes right up. It was like ding, you're like that, and you're just like holy shit, and he's just frozen. And he just says that line. He says that line, you know. You're going to need a bigger boat. Well, and, and remember, we barely seen the shark. Yes. I mean, right. like, we had the little moments. We, we, this we is saw, the first time to see the This size. is the first. Yeah. Uh, and, and he goes in, and what do we get? Our most famous line in the yeah, film. We're going to need right. a bigger boat. An improvised line. <laughs> oh, really? Is that um, right? Yeah. Wow. No improvised. kidding. Wow. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Great. That's great. And now we're really doing it. Shut off that engine. Yeah. And there's this great sequence of we're going to shoot the barrel on. And what are the barrels? Why do we have barrels? 
Let's keep trackers. the trackers. Yeah, but also right? to keep the shark uh, afloat. Keep the shark. Oh, uh, keep like, him from yeah. going down keep deep. Going yeah, down yeah, this yeah, is yeah. exactly true. Yeah. Why do the Why does the film have barrels? Because uh, the shark doesn't work. Oh. That's what the barrels are. <laughs> right. The barrels are a solution to the That's fact brilliant. that we can't see the shark. Right. So it allows you to see. This is where the shark's at in the water. Wow. Yeah. This is the speed with which it's moving, which is which is kind of impressive, Mm -hmm. you know, because the thing is moving at a clip. And they look great. They do. And 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 this sequence in terms of uh uh shot selection, editing, it's just music, it is beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah, it's like an action scene, really. Yeah. Well, I that's why I think this movie is as much adventure film as it is uh horror film. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is full adventure in this sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's joyful. You know, we have we have our our, 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 our swell of, of adventurous music. Mm-hmm. We're charging off. We're going to get it. And we put the barrel in him. Lay it on the barrel! I'm coming around again! And the shark gets away. Yep. Right. Yeah. Scooper took too long to tie that stuff on. <laughs> how, would, little... how, how would the shark have not gotten away if he had been earlier? Well, if he had shot early, like where, where Quinn was trying to shoot first, he couldn't shoot in the head when uh. he was trying to because Dreyfus took too long to attach that thing. Maybe. But I think that's important because that sure. right, that everything leads to where it's going. It's like you were saying, the compressed air. Everything leads every to where plant. it's going. Every little mistake has to happen so that the end sequences happen. And so it makes sense. And I love that shot. Quinn at the end at the of the, at the in the pulpit, beautiful with shot. The, as, it looks as the as if the sun is oh, going that, down. That like evening shot, yes, or whatever it is, and the yeah. music that's playing because he knows better. He finally he's got the best there too, of which is crazy. Yeah, like he's just and a little judgmental. He's judgmental. He totally. is for yeah. sure. He but I just kind of love how he's just like leaning yeah. there. He's like he's not tense. No, he's, he's like, not. Yeah. He, like the moment has passed. Yeah. He's like, all right, we'll get him. But it's just, but yeah, and judgmental as well, yeah. like yeah. Well, and this is the just thing got that too. shitty grin on his face, yeah. dude. One yeah. of the things too about coming up when we did and watching the film the way that we did, I watched this on VHS. Mm. Right. It wasn't until right. I bought the laser disc that laser I realized disc. that I realized that this is a beautiful movie, and yeah. that shot in particular is oh, yeah. gorgeous. Cinematography is amazing. I think my high definition high definition TV is what did that for me. Like, oh, yeah, 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 being able to like see it on high def, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, this is damn. Because you knew it was a good movie. But of you course. Didn't know that, oh, yeah. this is beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And the music here there is great too. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to raise a glass because it's time oh. to have some drinks <laughs> with our boys One more time. In, in the galley. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Mm. It's so lovely to see the, these guys hang out. <clears throat> They've had a few drinks. Yeah. Start comparing st- scars. <laughs> it's one of the great scenes of all time. It really is. Mm-hmm. You want a drink? Drink your leg. I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink our legs. <laughs> and it's so fun and light and funny. And, and, and watching Dreyfus and... Because what's interesting, Dreyfus or Hooper and Quint, they're kind of extroverts. Yeah. They're like big guys, big mm-hmm. personality guys. Yeah. Brody's not. No. Well, Sitting one of the aside. best parts, one of the best parts about the, the scar um, comparison face down yeah. Yeah. is the shot of Brody 
Yeah. Lifting up, I forget if it was a pant leg or no, it's a no, shirt. It was his shirt. shirt. He lifts it up yeah. and he yeah. just looks at it, yeah. doesn't say anything, puts it right back down. Okay, right. So it's here's like, my I'm next not question. Getting, I'm not getting into this competition with these two. What's that scar? That's him, that's a shark attack, I think. From uh, when he was a kid. Shark attack? Oh, I, really? Oh, I, that's, that's what, why he's scared of sharks? I, oh, I oh, never occurred to I, me. I'm, I don't, that was always in my head that wow. he got attacked by a shark when he was a kid. And that's why he never would have occurred to me. Wow. What do you think it is? I always thought it was because he. This is why he's chief of police at Amity because he was in Manhattan, got shot. That's what and, I always thought it was. And left it to have See, a, I connected a more quiet it to the life. water. I that's can, fair I because he doesn't go to the water. water. No, that I, makes perfect sense. I right? actually always thought he was attacked. Maybe it wasn't a shark, but he was attacked yeah. by something in the water. Right. Fuck the water. Yeah. Like that's where I thought his head Certainly was, and fair. I and the way that. If you look at the scar, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like a bullet wound per se. Maybe right. it's a knife wound. Now that's not a bad or theory. Well, it's not a bad theory yeah. with the whole you know Manhattan cop thing. But, right. And uh, I've heard other people say that it's an appendix, but I don't think that's nearly as interesting as either of these two stories. <laughs> but what I love about his see, that, I like the idea that it's connected to the water. Yeah. Well, no, it makes perfect. Yeah. What I, and I love is that he doesn't share it. No. Is no. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. It's something serious. Yeah. An but appendix. he doesn't share it. <laughs> but once again, he doesn't have to prove his manhood. He doesn't have to prove his well, man. I, yeah, well, he, I'll, I'll he take it one I'll take it one further. Well, I, sure, it, but... It's not. It, it, I don't even know if it's. He doesn't want to. He doesn't have to. I just don't think this is the time to get into a pissing yeah, contest with these two. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Absolutely. I feel like. I feel like he's like another well, day. And yeah. they're another getting day. along for the first time ever. Right. right. Don't so interrupt why, that. Why fuck with it. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. I think that's. All, I think they're getting along because who? Uh, because Quinn had finally got the best of Hooper. Because by Hooper fucking up. Not tying those things to the barrels quickly enough. That shot of him on the pulpit is finally so Quint yeah. having a little bit of superiority over Hooper, so that he can let his guard down a little bit mm. and play with Hooper yeah, later maybe. on in the thing. I was, I'm, I, you know, my mind is psychological. I'm just analyzing <laughs> shit. I'm probably seeing shit that isn't even there. Yeah. But that's well, no, just but, the way I do films. But but, but that's what. But that's what's, what's great about what's watching great about, movies. Well, particularly this film is that there's so much here, yeah. and there's so much that is not spelled out. Yeah. That we don't get to know what that scar was. Right. You know, we don't get to know exactly how we got from him on the pulpit to them drunk in the gallery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't get to know what that transition is. Yeah, right. Spielberg gives you just enough and then no more. Yep. So we're comparing scars, and there's this one scar that uh, Hooper asked about, and oh, that was a tattoo that got erased. Yeah. It's the USS Indianapolis. Mm hmm. And the first thing that's great about this moment is that Hooper immediately yeah. has a reaction. Yes. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. And Brody has no idea what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Doesn't he make – no, well, Hooper makes a joke, doesn't he? No, no, wait. No, I think – It's his mom. Well, he says it's – Oh, oh, that's yeah. right. Well, he what happened? Yeah, yeah, he says, he says, what is that? Oh, it's a tattoo I got removed. Yeah. And he goes, oh, don't tell me. Mother. Yeah. And he goes, no, it's the And Hooper cracks himself up. Yeah, Hooper's yeah. laughing. He goes, no, yeah. it's the USS Indianapolis. And then Hooper's face just goes false. Yeah, that laughter just dies. And yeah, and so then gets it back to Scheider going, oh, what? Yeah. So this monologue, I don't know what the top monologues in film history are, but this is on the list. Absolutely. Top 10, if not top five. It yeah, I can't argue with so that. I can't argue with that. Good. It and is powerful. And it has a long history. Mm-hmm. And he drank. Uh, Shaw was really drinking. Yeah. yeah. Seen. They did several drinking. takes of it. Well, we got to start with the writing. Yeah. So, so, so the idea had come up early, maybe in the Sackler script, um, and then uh, Gottlieb does a pass, and it's fairly short. 
And then uh, Spielberg's still not happy with it. Mm-hmm. So he calls up his buddy John Milius. Oh. Right, Milius. <laughs> oh, Milius right. comes in. And he does a pass. Perfect. And you could hear it. You yes. could hear it in there. Spielberg's yes. still not happy with it. Wow. Who better to write that? Yeah. And then the last person to do a pass on it is Robert Shaw. Robert oh. Shaw wrote the final version that's in the movie. That's brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And this monologue, it's, uh, it's, I think they only did two or three takes. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, two, two different angles on it. And what um, Dreyfus says, he said he's never seen so much power coming off an actor. That's he amazing. Did. He said he was sitting, you know, what he said is sometimes when you're acting with someone, you kind of have to pretend to be interested. You have to act like right. you're interested. <laughs> he could not take his eyes off Shaw. He said he, it was just like heat radiating mm-hmm. off of him. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that money start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. That monologue is unbelievably mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I would say top five. Uh, if... Honestly, it's just delivered so perfectly. It's paced perfectly. It's built perfectly. And it leads to that, to once again, it leads to one of these things where it lays, lays the groundwork for well, a lifeguard's, lifeguard vest situation. It's the on. last quiet yeah. moment in the film, yeah. too. Oh, that's a great yeah. point. It's the last, quiet, last mm-hmm. quiet moment in the film yep. because the shark comes back. You have this kind of weird weird like cheat on the passage of time by the way yeah because oh, yeah, it's dawn yeah it's yeah. dawn yeah. like five minutes later which i always thought was like eh, they stayed up all night but maybe they did i don't know but like yeah literally the yeah. shark is coming back around yeah. and that's the that's the that sends us into the end of the film well and this is where we kind of go into crazy town we have yeah. we have some pause after the end of the indianapolis monologue mm-hmm. yeah and then hooper starts singing show me the way to go Yes, yeah, they start singing it, the song. And, and it starts slow, and it becomes big and boisterous and louder and louder. And as they're really enjoying it, you see way off in the distance, the barrel comes yep. up. Yep, yeah. And you know it's coming. Yep. And they're still singing. And then this shark goes apeshit crazy yeah. on the come- boat. <laughs> he comes and starts taking apart this boat. Yeah. Which, you know, on a storytelling level, you... Uh, Removing yourself from how amazing the film is and how well it works, you just go, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> well, the right. shark, the shark came back and and attacked them. Like, like you made it personal, but it's so good. Yeah. Like, well, you know, like it's so good. Like, you don't care. Well, mm-hmm. Spielberg said something, and it was in re- reference to the scuba the scuba tank explosion. Yeah, yeah. Because Benchley said that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Right. Right. Yeah. What Spielberg said, but it totally applies to this moment. If I've got them this far. I can take them anywhere. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. that's definitely yeah. true of this. Absolutely. That's, that's what me. that is. You've earned, you've earned it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that shark starts taking apart the boat. <laughs> we get more barrels in him. Yeah. Still coming at us. Mm-hmm. We get two barrels. We get three barrels. Mm-hmm. They get four barrels in him, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and the ship, now there's water in the boat. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's getting pretty darn scary. And now we're starting to, because there's water, the boat's getting yeah. flooded. We're starting to have engine trouble. And this is where we go through. This is a real transition because we were hunting the shark. Mm-hmm. Now the shark is hunting us. Yeah. Right? Because And this, I want to bring up one of the key, most brilliant, I think the most brilliant change from the book to the movie. In the book, the three guys go out to hunt the shark in the day and then go home at night and have dinner. Right. And then they go out the next day and they go home. Okay. Spielberg's choice is once they're out, that's it. Yeah. That's part of why he didn't want to see any other boats. He didn't want to see any land. He didn't want to see civilization because the you are on your own of this, the yeah. isolation of this is key to yeah. the film. Yeah. Yes. It's absolutely 100% key. Yeah, it's not fun if they go home at the end of the night. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's not scary. That. <laughs> they have to be trapped. And now That's their right. engine is going out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of a chaotic scene where we're shooting we're shooting the shark up with barrels, mm-hmm. there's a call on the radio from, from, <laughs> from Brody's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just says, no, everything's fine. No problem. And then later on, when the the uh, the boat's really starting to come apart, mm-hmm. Brody goes, "I think I want to call home. Let's get the hell out of get here. Get somebody yeah. to come help us. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And what's Quinto? It's an SOS. Quinto destroys the radio. He does. Now that's crazy town. That's great. Yeah. That's just great. With a bat. With a bat. He was mad. He's so mad. I- Oh, yeah, because he had tried to communicate last uh, with the wife. He said, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's off the fight. But I guess this was his... This he, his he might have even said see you at dinner or yes, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was anger because of him cracking the boat, crashing the boat in a, because he pushed it too hard. You know, he has that fight. Isn't that right here? Well, we're coming right there now. Oh, yeah, sorry. Burning out the engine, yeah. Yeah, right right after that, when the shark is taking apart the boat and coming after them, Quint goes, comes up with a bright idea. Well, I'll just head towards shore and draw the shark in in. and drown it. (laughs) This plan doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And he's up there, and I've seen a lot of crazy acting in my time. Mm -hmm. But Quint pushing that boat forward with this, and he starts singing, farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish. And it's this... I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. I'm I've gone over the edge. I'm pretending it's funny. I'm like all of yeah, this he's stuff. Lost it. Yeah. And you watch Hooper and Brody, they know he's lost it. Yeah. And they kill he kills the boat. Yes. Yeah. Now we're in a dead boat in the middle of the ocean with a killer shark that wants to take us out. Yeah. It's us or him. Yeah. Yep. But why does he do this? why do you think he does this? You've been asking the questions of the podcast. Let's ask this question. Why do you think he does it? Why do you think he kills the radio? Why do you think he fucks up the boat? Why That's, does he not want This to... is the Moby Dick of it, right? Yeah, I, I guess... mean, this is his white whale. But why, why this one? Why because this he's, one? Because, because this shark is the biggest mother ever yeah. you've ever, he's ever seen. Or this shark ever reminds seen. him of the Indianapolis uh, could be. sharks, right? It could be that. I mean, but thing. like... Yeah, I mean, it's the epitome of everything that he hates. Right. You know, so... I, I get this... I'm not going back in. I'm not going back until it's him or us. Yeah, you know? right. And I get the story aspect of it. Yeah. Right? That makes total sense because you uh, you increase your tension by having a dead boat in the middle of the water. You you eliminate all the possible options. Right. They have to rely on their wits and troubleshoot the situation as best they can if they want to live. I get that story-wise. My thing is like, why does Quint purposely destroy the radio, purposely run the boat into the ground? Why does he do this? What is he trying to do? Because he... Here's what I think. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things about writing characters is that it's not that they everything they do has to make sense. Uh-huh. It's that everything ha- they do has to make sense within their own character. 
Yeah. Uh, and those You're aren't right. the same thing. Point. Those yeah. aren't the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is that he is a guy who is deathly afraid of sharks, in my opinion. Right. We don't say this, but this is what I believe. Right. From the experience on the Indianapolis, he is now absolutely terrified of sharks. Mm-hmm. And what he is, and he hates the part of himself that is terrified of sharks. Yeah. Right. That he despises that yeah. within himself. Okay. And so he's he probably created... hates that about Hooper, too. Because Hooper is not afraid of sharks. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure yeah. that's... Hooper that's... loves I'd sharks. I never thought about it, but... I'm Hooper's sure a shark guy. So, yeah. he, he, so it's an extra level of hate on Hooper. And so mm-hmm. because he hates that element of himself, he's created a world for himself where he has to destroy that. Yeah. Because he's continually surrounding himself with that which he is terrified of. Yeah. And that is how he can feel like a man he could feel okay Mm -hmm. and now he is coming up against the biggest version of that fear and if he had the radio he's afraid that he would use it yeah and so he has to put his back up against the wall in order to not give into his own fear that's why he destroys the radio and and when he finally is driving that boat in is that he is gone he's full panicked yeah the fear has taken over yeah that's why he's, he's not doing oh, it because it makes any sense okay he is completely running with his tail okay. between yeah, yeah. he's trying to put I'd a face that. on the panic yeah like that's not what's happening but that is in fact what's happening he has lost it at yeah. that moment that's, that's my opinion point. i believe I no, we that. can't know right you know what is happening and that's also the power like great performances don't just hand you all the answers yeah. great performances and great characters leave you going why the fuck is who is this guy Quince? yeah and he is not Brody and Hooper are knowable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quint is not knowable yeah. on a certain level. Yeah. But, right. and, but and it's not a false moment either, him no. doing what he does. Like, you you buy it, whatever the theory is behind it, yes. Shaw sells it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you're like, okay, this is this is how this guy's going out. Yeah. Like, it, 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 he's not leaving without either that shark or him him in the water. And yeah. we know how it ends. Yeah. So, well, for him. So. And I just, just want to go back to something you said, because yep. I think it's really important, which is you said... I know the story reason why these things happen. Yes. We have to destroy the radio. We have to destroy the boat because that's what has to happen plot-wise. Right. Frequently, because I see with a lot of young filmmakers, is they're having that be why it happens in the movie. Okay. And it's like, if you have a thing that you want to happen for a story reason like this, you must find character reasons that make it make sense. Uh, yeah, okay. You can't impose your will on the movie and right. make it go where it wants to go and force characters to do things that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And in this one, that... that it is whatever it is. It is compelling. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, fellas, we're trapped on this boat. Yes. Time to fight back. Yes. Yeah. Luther, what exactly can you do with these things of yours? Well, I think I can pump twenty cc's of strychnine nitrate into him if I can get close enough. You get this little needle through his skin? No, I can't do that. But if I can get him close enough to this cage, I think I could get him in the mouth or that the eye. shark with that cage. You got any better suggestions? <laughs> now we're going to use your science. Yeah. Now we're going to use the science. Right. And, and Quint seems to have gotten himself under control to some degree at this moment. Do you think so? I think he's scared. Oh, there's well, no question still, he's scared. Yeah, but I he's mean, not yeah. in the crazy place that he was when he killed the boat. Well, that's what I mean. I think the shark has brought him back to that place he was back in, on the Indianapolis. Sure. When he's young, he's a, he's a Navy guy. He doesn't know any better. He's never experienced anything like this. He's back to being that scared kid again that he's been running from ever since that attack happened to him uh, at, on the Indianapolis. And you see Robert Shaw do a fantastic job of subtly switching from this uh, very primal caveman-type guy to this like, what kind do we of do scared, yeah. nervous like, okay, what dude. Do we do? He yeah. relies on Hooper at Vulnerable that point. Yeah, what exactly. do we do? 
Yeah. And, and, and we go into... He surrenders all his power to Hooper. Yeah, yeah. At, you're right. That's a good point, man. Well, once we come up with the plan, and the plan is insane, which yep. is that Hooper's going to go into yeah. the water, in the cage, <laughs> going to... and try to hit him in the mouth yeah, exactly. with this thing. We go into what I think of as the archetypal, prototypical AT montage sequence. You know, oh, where it's building, like we're, we're going to build the cage stuff, yep. and we're going to yep. do the thing. That's right. And we have my next uh, light motif. Let's gear yes. up. This, yep. this light motif I call the battle theme, and it's. And one of the things that John Williams is so great at is building a theme. Is that is that it builds yeah. and you keep thinking it's going to find resolution yeah. and it doesn't. It keeps building bigger and bigger and bigger as we build the cage. Yeah. And then when Hooper gets into the cage, and this is so lovely, and this is why you cannot overemphasize the ge genius of John Williams. First yeah. of all, it's a beautiful scene. He's in the cage. He's 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 getting his mask. Yeah. We know he's going to go down, probably to his death. And this mm -hmm. is and at this moment, Quint fully respects Hooper. Yeah. I don't think there's any like we know that this yeah. guy is going to sacrifice his life to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Brody hands him his mask and he wants to clean it, and he says, "I got no spit." That is so vulnerable and subtle. Yep. And yeah. the music we hear at the moment is the sailing theme from the beginning, but it's played in a minor key now, oh, that's and we awesome. hear. John Williams is telling you, yep. remember that thing that started off so great and adventurous? Yeah. This is where we anymore. are now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect filmmaking yeah. moment right there. Yeah. yeah. Does it work out well for Richard Dreyfuss in the... Uh... <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. He's got a shit... stock footage? He's shitting his pants. <laughs> so, yeah. Of uh, the shark? Yeah. So, so, so we have Dreyfuss goes into the water yeah. in the cage. And what that is, is in South Africa... We yes. sent these guys down to film Great Whites. Mm -hmm. And what they brought with them, because the Great Whites they were seeing were 16, 18 foot, which are still big yeah. sharks. Yeah. But they're not 25 feet. So if you're going to have a guy in a cage and the sharks are smaller, what are you going to do to have it look right? Tiny man. Got to get a little yeah. person. <laughs> so they get a little guy. They got a, a jockey, right? Oh, no, he's, he's, Wasn't a jockey? He's no? like a stuntman. He, oh, he's he, a stunt he, guy. Okay. Doubled kids. Okay. Very fearless. No scuba experience. Right. Wow. Spielberg meets him. He goes, yeah, I'm game to do this. They fly him down to South Africa. <laughs> yeah, and story. that's who's in the cage. Wow. And then the shot, which I think you're referring to, where the shark is on top of the cage yeah. and goes crazy. There's no person in the cage at that moment. Right. But that really happened is that mm -hmm. the shark swam over, got caught, and freaked out. Oh, okay. Um, How good is that, though? And, Damn. And that shot is amazing. Yeah. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I mean, one of the shark shows I worked on, there's a moment where there were some lines in the water and the shark didn't see the line. Wow. And he got caught. He he had a big tag on his uh, dorsal fin mm -hmm. and the tag got caught on one of these Ooh, lines. Yeah. And he, he didn't freak out quite at that right. level. But you see the picket. I have divers in the water near that shark when yeah. the shark freaked out. And the power of the shark that's lazily slimming along and then all of a sudden he's mm. like I gotta go yeah. and the whole the power of that animal that's is incredible unbelievable yeah. that's incredible yeah. wow right on so uh, one of the things I love is the reactions of Quint and Brody on oh, the yeah. boat yeah. when they see what looks like is basically Hooper getting killed yeah because they react to like, immediately want to bring him up they're trying to bring him up and it breaks the dolly breaks yeah yeah which is the end of the boat and then 
boom. Like just when we're just when we have this moment where we see Richard Dreyfuss swimming away, so we know he we know he's safe. No, 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 we don't. don't. We well, no, no, we don't know. Oh, we we don't know. know he got away. Okay, okay, okay. But we, we don't, don't know. We don't know what happened to him. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. know he got away. So we so you saying we don't see him swimming down? I remember no, we, seeing no, him swimming down. No, we do. We see him swim down, but we don't know what his fate is. Yes, right. agreed, agreed. We don't. He goes so, behind a rock. Right, but we're, that. Th- yeah. this is what's great masterful direction by Spielberg. He gives us this moment where we feel hope, and yeah. then right when we think we're feeling hope, wham, the shark comes after the boat, like even more hardcore, right? Because he's in this frenzy, right? Yeah. Well, and this is the moment we've had the whole shoot yeah. trying to get that shark to work. Shark doesn't work, shark doesn't work, and this is the shot that Spielberg wants, which is that Bruce leaps out of the water <laughs> onto the back of the orca yeah. and kills Quint. Yes. Um, By the way, the compression air, which is rolling over and, and hitting his hand yeah. so that he can't hold on any longer, right. is such a great poetic great moment little detail. of Hooper getting Quint back even while he's not on the boat. <laughs> while he's not on the boat. It's great. so great. And uh, a really great movie death too. It's yeah, a good movie really death. good movie. Death. I mean, so so for those of you who haven't fil- seen the film, and what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Who is this? <laughs> I will say, if you are younger, yes, that shark doesn't look great. It's it's not sure. It's good that it's not on screen for any longer than it is. Yes. Yeah. It, it, but it is a great great movie death. Mm-hmm. Quint gets basically chomped in half. Mm-hmm. The shark slides away, but well, the shark slides away, and now Taking we're Quint left with, with them, yeah. yeah with Brody. Uh, alone uh-huh. on a sinking boat on a sinking boat mm-hmm. I want to say one thing yes this death of Quinn is one of the first deaths I ever saw on screen that really hurt, like made me cry because oh, wow. I really cared for that character yeah, I liked right on, Quint a man. lot he had this there's just something about him you know he had a, he beneath this whole uh, veneer of bluster and whatever and chesty man you could tell there was a vulnerable scared guy underneath which mm-hmm. is why he had concocted this entire persona you know and so i felt like he was the hero on the boat at times because of he he was the one that drove them to go get this shit drove them to, sure. to kill mm-hmm. and so like uh when he dies it's so powerful and because of the indianapolis speech too you Feel his death more because he had survived all this shit to be killed by a shark anyways. And you're like, damn it. And to go back to how great a filmmaker Spielberg is, too, there's no ceremony about his death. There's no last shot. It happens very suddenly. There's no last shot on his face. There's Mm -hmm. no music with it. It is him. It's like you just said. It's the shark slinking off into the water with Quint in his his teeth. In a crisis. And it, it, it it is just like... He's gone. Yep. Like there, and but there, and there is no like ceremony about yep. it. It's just like because Brody is still in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. That's Brody right. still has like right. we still got to deal with that. The so, but it's a really great movie death in that way. Like of you know, but I get why like that would be affecting. Yeah, well, the, yeah. The, also yeah. the squeals, the sounds. Oh, it's so he's dying. Oh, yeah. so, oh man, and the desperation with the machete. Yeah, and, yeah. and then yeah. finally the ex, the resignation the blood, of acceptance yeah. and spitting the blood out, <laughs> right. and then leaving in a Christ-like pose. He's in a Christ-like sure, yeah. pose, right. crucified as he, he was dragged yep. into the water. That's yep. absolutely true. Ugh. Awesome, man. It's it's one of the most affecting deaths. It still affects me every time I watch that movie, every single That's time. That's awesome. So, I, And I think this final sequence, we're now at the final sequence. Yes. Is that I think this sequence, more than any that I can think of, maybe the, de- the, the structure of the Death Star would be the other one, <laughs> of... Of that movies have been imitating ever since. Of we are going to bring everything to a head for a spectacular <laughs> finale. Because there aren't spectacular finales in action films in this way yeah. before this. 
And this is literally the boat is going down. Mm-hmm. He's going to end up at the very end of the of the mass right. at the last possible second with the last possible shot before he dies. I mean, this is as as big and dramatic as you can get. Um, and so Schneider somehow gets that tank into his body, through? Into, into the yeah, into his mouth, tank into his mouth. And, and you see well, because the shark comes into the cabin, right, so he's like, cabin. but he's doing everything he can to bash it, mm-hmm. loses the grip on it, really. I mean, yeah. it's kind of a happy accident to yes. go back to happy accidents, yeah. you know? And, and, and he's got his rifle, and he's out at the uh, at the crow's nest, essentially, yeah. as the yeah. ship is going down, and in comes the shark. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about music, and then I'm going to shut up about music. <laughs> no, why, <laughs> Never. Should, why should you shut up about music? John Williams. Yeah. So here's the thing. So I've introduced, you've met, learned all these themes. Mm-hmm. All these themes come to play in this sequence. Yes. When you are seeing that mask go down, you hear do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. Yeah. When the shark is coming, you hear the shark theme and the hunting theme. When you cut to Scheider, you hear the battle theme. Yes. And each one of the cuts is telling you exactly what's happening within the story. <laughs> and the tension is rising and rising in this way that only John Williams can do. And at the moment where the music must resolve. Why are you son of a... The music cuts out. Mm-hmm. And we hear... Smile, you son of a bitch. bitch. And then we have the explosion. And this is one thing that's really important for filmmakers is you can't have multiple important things happening at the same time. You Mm. can't have a loud explosion and a loud music cue. That's right. You can't have a line be really clear and a loud music cue. You can have one or the other. And so you have in place of the loud music Mm -hmm. cue, the line and the explosion. And after the explosion, we hear... That C theme that we heard earlier, the kind of harp, circular, infinite sounding thing, except now it's played in a major key instead of a minor key, and it feels resolution. Yes. Finally, we feel yes. (laughs) But it also feels majestic. Oh, yeah. That this creature that was such an anomaly of nature is now dead. Is now it's almost like a funeral it's almost like mm. a respectful funeral music cue for the shark. Sure. Like it's because the all of the way it sends it it's it's not a kind of like but um like you were saying, there's no big music cue. It's a very like almost respectful kind of thing for this creature that existed. Yeah. And Respect get, for nature. Yeah. And you get a noise, which is really a sound effect that's really important to Steven Spielberg, which is that mm. there's a sound of the shark falling that's a loud groaning sound. Yeah. Oh, and that is yeah. the sound of the oh, truck going right. off the cliff in duel. Huh. Is that right? Huh. Yeah, it's sort no of a kidding. and wow. that sound is used in Jurassic Park. Really? Yeah, he's used it multiple times. What? Yeah, it came from Duel. That yeah. is oh, awesome. Yeah. What an interesting tidbit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Finally at the end of this giant climax. As as Brody's just alone laughing, who pops up? But our good friend Matt Hooper, <laughs> yes, who Finally. dies in the book. Yes, he does die in the book. Well, Hooper dies in the book. Mm-hmm. Ah, no kidding. That's, yep, a, that's what really... he gets for cheating with Brody's exactly. wife. Yep, son of a Th- bitch. And that's his comeuppance. That's why he dies in the book. He has mm. to die in the book. Yeah. yeah, and I'm so happy he doesn't die. Yes, it's so nice. Yeah, because I mean that together. final shot of the two of them swimming back yeah. together is so. Well, it's also so, it's so fun. Also, you get one last. One last uh, taste of their of their uh, bond, right? Yeah. Because he comes up and he's like, "Quint, no, no," and it's just that moment. Yeah, yeah. Because he asked, hopefully. Yeah. And Scheider had to tell him, yeah, you know what it happened. And so then they start paddling. <laughs> what day is it? It's just perfect. It's yeah. just perfect. 
Just keep paddling. Just keep, paddling. <laughs> just keep kicking yeah. or something, whatever he says. I'm tired. I feel like we've been through a lot here. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what time of the day that we recorded this. Right, 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 right. No, or the whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Which, which we've drunk a fair amount of this. We bottle, did all right. You yeah. guys did, you guys Especially did a great for, job. for a house with no ice cubes. Oh, for God's sakes. So, so, so I, I, I know this has been a long podcast, but I got to talk about sharks just a little bit. Sure. Okay. It's one of my favorite topics. I know. This is why this movie means so much to me. Which came first? Your love of sharks or your love Mm. of this movie? You know what? I actually think the love of sharks. I wasn't afraid. I've never been afraid of sharks. Jaws didn't even make me afraid of sharks. I think, no, yeah, I think, I think I had a, 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 just a a deep down respect, love, whatever you want to call it, since I knew what the animal was. Um, I actually have went diving with sharks in Tahiti. I was the only person in our little like tourist crew mm-hmm. that would do the dive with the sharks coming at you and around you. And like to me, it was just like I knew I wasn't going to get hurt. It was, but it was so much fun. Like like wow. they're just awesome animals. They're yeah. just they're badass too. Mm-hmm. You know? What kind of sharks were in Tahiti? Uh, they might have been tigers. Tigers. Yeah, big, they might. Yeah, they were. They were. That's mm-hmm. why I don't think anybody else on the boat. Like when we went down and went diving, nobody else on the boat wanted anything to do with them. They hid behind like a little reef, mm-hmm. including my wife. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, bring it, let's do it. And they had like a they had like an Arrowhead water bottle that they put a net and they they squeezed it uh, back and forth mm-hmm. and we made this like crinkle noise. Mm-hmm. Totally had the shark like right in front of us. Did the crinkle noise? Wow. The shark came right at it. They released it into a net above us. Shark went up for it. Like, so yep, it's coming sure. right at you, huh. thing goes up. Yeah. Wow. Now, that's an adrenaline rush right there. But of I course. was like, dude, let's, you know, it's amazing, dude. And I want to do, I want to do these great white, I know they do these great white shark sure. dives. <sighs> I want to do one of those one you're, day. You're yeah. so crazy. You're no, crazy. You're they're not going to hurt me. They're so, not going to do anything. So why do you think that's crazy? I just, I know. I've seen too <laughs> many of those. <laughs> I've just seen, seen too, many too many movies of the nature documentaries and seeing. <laughs> but who the, gets hurt? No, but seeing the <laughs> it's true, it's true. But seeing the ferocity of that animal has always unsettled. Me. Well, it's a yeah. huge it's like lion. Lions. I have this thing about lions. See, and I don't know if I go near a lion. Yeah. No, you should much yeah. safe, much safer around a shark than a lion. Yeah, yeah that's much safer. Yeah. Silverback gorillas and lions and the sharks. Like just I can't. well, they're hugely powerful animals. Yes, and and the thing before I say anything else, I should say that any. Any large animal, particularly any large predator, is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and Okay. But it's, it's funny. I'll start here. Is that there was a shark scientist on the first documentary I worked on. His name yeah. was Mark Marks. Okay. And whenever you're working on a documentary, you want a guy who's going to say the great line. Yeah. You know, because you're editing a film and there are people that ramble on long, long time to say something very interesting and you can't cut to it. Yeah. And then there are people that with one sentence say something compelling and dramatic and that's who you want in your documentary. Sure. And that guy was Mark Marks. Right okay. on. He said a line that is the most dramatic line I've ever had to edit with in a film. Yeah. And I did not put it in the movie. Okay. And this is the line. He said, Steven Spielberg is to sharks. As Hitler is to the Jews. Oh Jesus! Oh, God. Now, that is a lot <laughs> oh, of a line. That is a lot of a line. Holy moly! And and the reason I didn't put it in the film is because it's what I would call a uh, a break. Is that is that that line stops your mind? Yeah. And all you can think about now is that line. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't want to stop the audience's yeah. mind. Also, it's unfair because I Spielberg agree. had no that intention. Is a crazy statement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Spielberg had no intention. To do anything bad to sharks. Exactly. Spielberg's right. trying to make a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But the reality is, is that movie and, and with surveys and if you talk to people and you too, John, yep. has done so much to demonize this animal that really is essentially zero threat to humans. Yeah. I mean, statistically. And That's so, fine. So, so, like, for instance, there are somewhere between 12 and 20 people killed by sharks a year mm-hmm. on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. There are about 400 people killed by hippos a year. 12. Okay. There's, That's my next film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hippo. Hippo. <laughs> Just when you thought it was yeah. safe to go back into that stream. To the pond in yeah. deep in Africa. Um, hungry, yeah. hungry hippos. Elephants yeah. kill about 800 people a year. <laughs> hungry, I hungry mean, they, they're, there's so many animals that kill so many more people mm. than sharks. Sharks are just statistically non-existent. It's zero. Mm-hmm. And in fact, anyone who swims in the ocean probably swim around some sharks. Because not necessarily great whites, but right. some sharks. Yeah. Right. And those sharks do not go after people because we're not on the menu. Yeah, that's right. And okay. the, the times that sharks have killed people or bitten people, almost never are the people consumed. In other words, yeah. what happened was a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that a shark is it's murky water, a shark swimming around, sees a surfer above him, yeah. the surfer's got an oblong shape, two little legs right. kicking, he goes, Oh, maybe that's a seal, comes up, hits it, goes, Oh, not a seal, swims away. Yeah. Right. Now the problem is that when the shark hit the person, that's <laughs> yeah. a serious event. Yeah, but even yeah. this doesn't happen very often. It happens yeah. really, really rarely. Yeah. And there are just two things in the movie that I want to point out. Okay. One is the fantastic line. All he does is swim and eat yeah. and make little and sharks. Make yeah. little sharks, yeah. And that seems really scary. And this idea of an eating machine. Mm-hmm. What are most animals other than eating machines? What do cows do other than walk and eat and yeah. make little cows? <laughs> you know, right. What do rats do other than walk and eat and, and make, make little rats? Bunnies, what yep. do dolphins do other than swim and eat and make little dolphins? It's just a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah, it's, it's, That's line. all that animals do. I mean, we do other stuff because we build buildings and have podcasts and things like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but sh- animals just do what they do to survive. They yeah. eat and they reproduce. And yeah, that's what sharks do. And we have created a system where if you kill a dolphin, yeah. you're a horrible person. Absolutely. If you kill a killer whale, you're, which is also a big, giant, powerful predator, right. yeah. you're a horrible person. Yeah. You kill a shark, good. <laughs> there are 100 million sharks killed each year. Oh, wow. Um, most of them as either bycatch, which means they're fishing for something else. Million. Yeah. 100 million. And the vast majority is for shark fin soup. So and what they do oh, is yeah. they bring up the shark, they cut the fin and the tails off, and then, yep, and then they dump them back in the water still alive. They don't brutal, even use man. all the meat. It's fucking it's brutal. brutal. So that's ter- – and the reason brutal, that we yeah. can do that is because we have demonized sharks. Right, right. And so I just – and one more thing that happens to talk about in the movie, this idea of territoriality yeah. and this idea of the shark is just eating and eating mm-hmm. and eating and eating. So there's been studies done. They put a, a transmitter in the belly of a shark, mm-hmm. great white shark. Shark went for six weeks without eating. Wow. Once a shark has a big meal, they hit an elephant seal or a sea right. lion or something, they don't need to eat for a long right. time. Right. The idea of a shark that is attacking and attacking and attacking, yeah. which is really created by this movie, that's not real. Yeah. Okay. And so I love this film. It's one of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. But it also is a movie that, from Chrissy on, scars you with this image <laughs> of this animal, which is not true. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, and, and the last thing I want to point out is... We have a very hard time balancing out risk and reward and okay. balancing out the value of risk. So if we really cared, we would never think about sharks as something that's dangerous. Okay. It's so far down on the risk list. You know, it's like it, you should be much more frightened of your bathtub than of a shark. 
Okay. Because that's going to kill you. Okay. Thousands of people every year <laughs> killed in the bathtub. 40,000 people killed by guns a year. 40,000 people killed by sure. cars. Hundreds of thousand people killed by hamburgers and cigarettes. Those are the right. actual scary things. Yes. Sharks, not on the list. Okay. All right. If you say so. Oh, I'm right. I'm not demonizing. Well, First of all, I yeah. want to defend myself to a degree here. I'm not demonizing. No, I didn't say you were. Well, I mean, but this, I, yeah. Okay, it's been demonized to you. You've accepted that image of them. Yes, because just like I accepted when I see a, a lion do what it does, I see a, a silverback do what sure. it does. It's doing what it does. I respect what it's doing and its creation, and I don't actively support people killing these animals. But they scare the living shit out of me. And I don't want it's very near scary them. on a primal level. Yeah. I don't run into the jungle by myself. I don't run into it. <laughs> I don't run into the water by myself. So, yeah. Here's the thing that Hoover said, my partner on the shark films. Yeah. He, said, he said, if you stepped into a pond and a bunch of little minnows start nibbling on your feet, you would say, isn't that cute? Sure. But if the minnow weighed 4,000 pounds, it's not so cute. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not so cute at all. The behavior is the same. Right. Yeah. In one case, it tickles. In the other case, it's deadly. Yes. Right. But it's, they're doing the same thing, yeah. which is going, oh, what's that? Let me feel that. Right. Yeah. Okay, enough about sharks. Let's get back to Jaws. <laughs> yes. John, what are your final thoughts on Jaws? Oh, my God. Listen, this is one of the greatest films that I've ever had the experience to see multiple times uh, for so many different reasons. The score, which Steve highlighted so well throughout this entire podcast, the direction of Spielberg, the acting, which for me is the reason I keep coming back over and over again as an actor. Those are the things that bring me in. But also... The overall story, these male archetypes that never go away, no matter what generation we're in, we can identify with them. We can understand them. And their relationships are still are so rich and resonant with such small amount of screen time. People mm. have to understand. There's like a very small amount of screen time that they have to like really develop this bond. But it's believable. It's real. And it's powerful. And the movie itself takes you on such an amazing journey, starting from this incredibly horrific beginning that scares the living hell out of you to this almost inspirational happy ending at the end of the, mo at the, end of the movie, which is not at times where you think you're going to go because of the ferocity of this animal. And so to me... That's why this film works on so many levels because it, it hits you uh, in so many ways that you don't see coming and it resonates with you and brings you back to watch it over and over and over again. Absolutely. How about you, Eric? Uh, you know, I, I think it's just uh, to go along with everything John said, what's incredible about this film and the stories of how it got made it all it goes back to how you cannot plot no matter how Hollywood tries you cannot plot a success or a phenomenon like this. Mm. It happens it, just by by pure chance, joy, luck, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's just an incredible testament to how you can capture lightning in a bottle. And I love how hard it was for them to make this movie. I love the final product. I love the fact, and you, you mentioned this many times, I love the fact that how difficult it was to make this film is why it's so great. Mm. You know, it's why it's point. why it's one of the best movies ever made. And that's not that's not an arguable mm -hmm. that you cannot debate that. It is one of the best films ever made. It is up there with whatever anybody's top ten films are, mm -hmm. this has to be there. It is depending on the day of the week, my favorite movie ever. Wow. Uh between, you know, go between Citizen Kane, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard and this. Mm. Um but I most likely Good will list. always land mm. on this film because um to go back to what you were saying, John, and you as well, Steve, 
it's the full experience. It yeah. is the full experience. It's not just one genre. You're getting all the genres. Mm. And uh, I would love, if there's anybody listening to your podcast who's never seen this film before, I would love to sit in a theater with them and watch it because yeah. I'd want to watch them watching it. Yeah. Like that, to me, is like, that would be some next level shit. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's, it operates on so many levels. This is probably one of the number one uh, films that we use in film school to talk mm, about for filmmaking. Sure, yeah. Because the craft is so good. Yeah. The camera work is so good. The music, obviously, I talked about a lot, is so good. The way scenes are constructed, the plants and payoffs are so good. Yeah. The, it, it's all beautifully, perfectly done. Yeah. And as we're talking about, I'm thinking, if that craftsmanship was all there was to it, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. Mm. Right. Because mm. this movie goes beyond craft, yeah. and it goes beyond genre. That's what's so interesting about it. At the core of it is this humanity, this recognizable, real humanity yeah. that doesn't exist in other films of this genre. And this is why when they go on to make sequels and, you know, is that in all the imitations that happen after the film, this is the essential part they miss, yeah. which is that Brody and Quint and Hooper and all the supporting characters feel real they feel like us and yeah. so it's us on this journey yeah. that's right and so even though it's super dramatic and it's super it's it's taking us into this hugely dramatic world and, yeah. and maybe that's a hallmark of steven spielberg because if you look at et and close mm -hmm. encounters that is very much the it's about us yeah it's about humans in extraordinary circumstances i think they did that well with saving private ryan too absolutely I, I those are of, yeah like one of like with with tom hanks in that movie it's like i felt like i was you're one of those guys one that of the soldiers me. well especially with him too being a teacher back in the you know but that's yeah. another that's another podcast yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so that's what we think about jaws but we would love to hear what you think and particularly if you haven't seen it, <laughs> yes. um, if you haven't seen it, I'd be really curious because I've seen it so many times. Right. Be interesting to hear how does it work on you. Um, and if you want to reach us, you can reach us on our Facebook page. That's at the Cinephiles, C-I-N-E dash F-I-L-E-S. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear what you think. We'd love to hear your suggestions of other films. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at S.R. Morris. John, where can you reach me? Uh, yeah, you guys can always reach me uh, uh, at the Roca says R-O-C-H-A on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I love to interact with you guys, so follow me. I'd like to comment with everybody. Who, as, as long as I can keep commenting, <laughs> I like it. You know, at, You're at some a man points, with many a comment. Yeah, at, at some points, you know, the followers are going to get too big for me to comment with everybody. But I'm brag, humble to brag for now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so please do, and you'll see all the shows I host and co-host, uh, and a lot of. Um, I'm pitching some more shows coming down the pike on different networks, so cool. there will be more coming. So, is is one of them going to be the? Uh, the apprenticeship of Lenny Kravitz yes, or, or Muslim Hungry, Charlie. hungry hippos. Are you going to go my way and give me the job? Yeah, all right, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Eric, if people want to reach you, how would they find you in the uh, world of theater webs? I'm on Twitter at Eric Rogers LA. It's just E-R-I-C-R-O-G-E-R-S-L-A. Um, I, uh, don't have as many followers as Roka, so I'm much, I'm, it's much easier for me to shout back at you guys. And I enjoy it though. Cause, uh, you know, I got these shows that I'm in charge of and yeah. trying to make happen. So, you know, trying to get more eyeballs in those things as well. well so, and, and if you want to find out what this mystery show that's coming along, well, let's maybe following, let's do this. Let's say watch Skylanders Academy season two on Netflix in October of 2017, which is a few months from now. Yeah. And the other show 
I will I will tell you guys when the time is right. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to hear that. And what we also can't wait for is all of the reviews we know you've been holding back. <laughs> we know that you've been trying to compose the perfect Cinephiles review. You haven't come up with it yet, but I think you're really close. Mm. I actually think that one, you know what? Maybe in the shower tomorrow morning, you'll have the perfect idea. It's going to be five stars. Yeah. And you're going to rush out, dry off first because you don't want to hurt your computer and write that five-star review on iTunes because we Ooh. really could use them and uh i think we've made it to the end of an epic podcast yeah, this, is, yeah this is good eric thank you so much for thank coming you on guys the show. Eric. it's been really great having thanks you. for having me uh and that's it for this week we will see you next time on the cinephiles mm-hmm.